uh, I was shaking my head and laughing because I just researched it and I was a hundred percent on Man of Tai Chi. <laughs> I <laughs> I do not remember that movie at all. That's staying in. Yeah, <laughs> I was wrong. I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of April 2022, and we are in the midst of our The Awful Odds Mm. event month. Essentially what we're going to be doing from week to week this month is uh, taking a look at some of the most awful shit to come out of the decade of the 2000s. Uh, So we kick things off with a very unfortunate uh, technical snafu last week. Um, Kyle had the pick, um, and we did a review of uh, Book of Shadows, colon, Blair Witch 2, uh, from the year 2000 on the nose. And unfortunately, uh, our our conversation on on that film went by the wayside uh, due mm-hmm. to an audacity failure on my part. So Kyle is not at all in the wrong in that part. Uh, however, you know, I had a good time talking about it. Um, there are some points that I really, really wish that uh, we, we were able to share with y'all. Um, hopefully we'll be able to touch on that over the course of this week's episode. But Kyle has a point he wants to share here. I was going to say, I could go ahead and just drop at the top what I wanted to wanted to uh, convey from watching the second Blair Witch movie. Uh, don't watch it. Rewatch the first one. Uh, and Marilyn Manson is a piece of shit. But if you want to go back and listen to some of his music, I would recommend Portrait of American Family, Antichrist Superstar, and Mechanical Animals are all very good albums. You heard it here, folks. Um, <laughs> I would most certainly agree with him on that first point especially. Uh, it is truly awful and is most certainly not worth your time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is Blair Witch 2. Um, but this week, I had the pick. So as is customary, uh, I took things into my territory. That would be <laughs> the action genre. Uh, so I am I am the action fan between the two of us. I am the action head, if you will. Kyle is more of a horror head um, mm-hmm. than, horror, than myself. Horror and high art. <laughs> horror and high art that sums up kyle's uh, his palette uh, <laughs> that, that sums up kyle's corner of the film world uh, i'm more of an action and martial arts guy uh so for my pick this week i decided to go with little known uh motorcycle themed action film torque from 2004 directed by one joseph Kahn. Uh, now I say this is a little known action film because I don't know many people that know of this film, let alone talk about this film and especially have seen this film. Kyle, did you even know about this film prior to me mentioning it? Never, ever even had any idea that this was a movie. No clue. Did this get a theatrical release? It absolutely did. Holy (laughs) shit. I don't remember seeing a single trailer for this. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, are you surprised at all by the fact that it had a $40 million budget and made $46.5 million at the box office? <laughs> I mean, that's about right. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you need to remember folks at home gen- generally when it comes to theatrically released films in the United States. Uh, you often double the budget uh, to get your, uh, your advertising cost, uh, which means this movie lost quite a bit of money. This was a failure of a film. Um, and I mostly just knew it from some really shitty uh, television ads uh, that probably aired on the Spike Network or something in the mid-2000s. Uh, this is very much targeted at a specific type of audience, for sure. Um, but yeah, beyond that, uh, I had not seen it front to back. I'd caught a couple of scenes of it on like cable uh, over the years, but it was always this curiosity to me where there was a couple of shots uh, that I distinctly recall from those those commercials for it. And I was like, I need to see if the rest of this film measures up to that, because some of that was like the perfect brand of 2000 zaniness when it can, when it comes to like action design. Uh, and I was not disappointed. This movie is not good either. However, I would say that it has quite a bit to offer in terms of entertainment value, mostly ironic entertainment value. But, you know, say what you will about it. They swung for the fucking fences. <laughs> like, this is not a low-effort production, even if those efforts went towards manufacturing, like, high-gloss crap. I think that this and Fast and the Furious are an even split. Uh, I think that this movie's stunts are far superior than the, the Fast and the Furious. I think they do a lot more in this movie, and I think it's shot better. Uh, having said that, I think the story can gargle my balls in this movie. And I say that while I don't particularly care for the story or the characters in Fast and the Furious, um, it, I do think the story is a little bit better. Yeah, I mean that that's that's inarguable at this point. This movie has a threadbare plot that serves as little more than a foundation for action sequences. It's just like we we only have dialogue in this film because we couldn't afford to have it all be bikes. Like that's literally the only reason we have dialogue scenes in here. But um, I'm really glad you brought up the Fast and the Furious because the, these these films are are inexorably linked. Like. In fact, they share a producer, even though they come from different studios. And this film actually devotes some of its screen time to deliberately slapping the Fast and the Furious in the nutsack, like well, very sh- deliberately. They share a dickhead. I mean, uh, yes, what's they, they yeah. do share a dickhead. <laughs> Matt, Matt Schultz is a dickhead in both of these movies. <laughs> Matt, Matt Schultz was on loan from the Fast and the Furious. Comes by, is a dickhead, and then he leaves. Yeah, yeah, he has that curious delivery. Like he's he always talks just slightly slower than everyone else in the room. And it's mm. like, do you eat a lot of paint chips as a kid or something? <laughs> I mean, he is a big dude. Uh, I do like him. I, I I do think that he works when he plays these roles. I like him in Blade too. He's an again, he's a dickhead in that movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, he's the only good part, in my opinion, of the movie Extract. Uh, he he's the only person that actually made me laugh in that movie. And he's a dickhead in that movie. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's I guess that's his biggest selling point as an actor. Yeah, uh, he's your go-to dickhead. Yes. Um, but yeah, these these films, The Fast and the Furious and Torque, they're they're most certainly d- attached at the hip in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think anybody could have predicted that The Fast and the Furious would become what it is today. 
Um, it's kind of curious because in 2004, that franchise was kind of struggling to, to find its identity. Like it would like I've always said that about that franchise that it's maybe the only instance I know of anyway, uh, where a film series found its found its identity, like in its fifth iteration. Yeah, <laughs> like it took five fucking movies for him to get it like quote right. Um, I I can't think of another franchise that had a similar path. I mean, I could, I think you could maybe argue that with like James Bond, where it took a few movies for them to, to, for the Sean Connery Bond to truly be what we all think of in our heads as like the basic silhouette of the character. But what about you, Kyle? I was gonna say, I think if there's a franchise that, um, not necessarily finds its identity by the fifth film, but is actually like better by the fifth film, I'd say is Resident Evil. Um, because, I mean, those movies aren't great, don't get me wrong, they're not great, but they are better as you move forward. Um, but, I was gonna say, like, it's usually the exact opposite, it's like, if a franchise hits five movies, you're like, I'm done, this is not for, I'm not gonna watch this, for sure. Oh yeah, and I I mean, it's, it's only these days that, like, aside from huge franchise characters like James Bond, or like Sherlock Holmes, or any one of those legacy characters. Like, it, it's very, very rare to even have the opportunity to make a number five. But um, this film, Torque, does not have a franchise attached to it. However, um, there's another film out there that I don't think I will be bothering with, but I actually had to, like, double-check it before I, I put my foot down and said, we are doing Torque, Kyle, because uh, I also remember seeing advertising for it another a motorcycle-centric action film from the 2000s called Biker Boys. I have heard Z. of that. Yes, and I th- I want to say it's like Larry Fishburne is in that one, but I could be wrong on that. But I I did my research, quote, research, and I was like, no, it, it is absolutely torque. We are doing torque because, like, as we talked about this before we started recording today, um, I'm really happy with this pick because from an aesthetic standpoint, uh, this movie is exactly what I wanted to talk about this month when it comes to like two, the 2000s, like garbage 2000s action films in 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 a bottle. Torque is it. <laughs> well, one way or another, if we had done Torque or Biker Boys, Kid Rock's fucking white trash ass was going to be a part of it. I mean, that's a given. Yeah. Like, I, w- I was waiting for it. I didn't even know he was going to be in this, I, but I had a feeling. As soon as, we, as soon as we show up at that biker meet, I was like... Oh, that kid rock <laughs> when i saw the cover for this and saw it was in 2004 i'm like i'd bet my life kid rock is gonna pop up somehow some way in this movie i mean i am totally blown away by the fact that we we do have kid rock in here we do have a jesse james cameo we got dane cook but there are no professional wrestlers in the cast that i'm aware of that that blows my mind <laughs> so it's interesting biker boys came out in 2003 torque came out in 2004 um, so there's a funny bit in Community where they're talking about uh, how they'll have a uh, a version of a film for white audiences that they'll make for black audiences as well. And they're usually uh, concurrent, like they happen around the same time. And they were like, Love Don't Cost a Thing was like, a, like the same story as a different movie aimed towards white audiences. But Biker Boys seems like it was directed towards black audiences. And this was very much for white, audi- white audiences. I mean, from a casting standpoint, you can kind of yeah. get that vibe. Um, but that's actually a really good uh, branching off point for talking about the cast and the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the, there's a few interesting details to discuss here. So our director is Joseph Kahn, 
who is by no means a household name. However, if you do a simple like once over on his resume, it's like, oh, it's because he's not really a filmmaker, like a, a, a feature film director. He is a music video god. If you saw a music video in the 2000s, you've seen his work 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's kind of incredible. Like, like, pushing aside his feature film filmography like his body of work there if you strictly look at his music video career it's like holy shit like, yeah this guy is bona fide uh he's a dapper dan man <laughs> um <laughs> uh, pretty incredible resume i mean he's worked with some of the greats of of many eras i mean we got britney spears we got <laughs> taylor swift uh, mm-hmm. who he's worked with numerous times eminem uh, kind of like at the early peak of Piss Powers. I don't know if he's kept up with him over the years, but J-Lo, Backstreet Boys, the list goes on and on and on and on. Um, and you can kind of get that from the the aesthetic design of this film, like the visual presentation of this film and the way it's edited and some of the audacious elements of its visuals uh, really do feel like they came from a music video director. So as as butt fucking ugly as this movie can be at times mm-hmm. um one thing it is certainly not lacking is energy um and i really do need to give him all the credit in the world for being very creative with his action choreography and um the structuring of his shots and his editing schemes is like it's applause worthy honestly like like this this film was a high effort production like there's a lot of thought and care that went into setting up a lot of these shots um, and a lot of these edits and whatnot. There's some really neat transitions as well. Um, it doesn't mean it's a handsome film to look at, <laughs> um, but point is, this guy has an incredible resume. And uh, if you do look into his uh, feature film uh, career, um, the, the only thing that really jumped out at me was he he did a movie like his most recent one is called Bodied, which is apparently about uh, rap battles. Oh God. Um, but he was involved with a, a, a Power Rangers film, a short film. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I just want to use it as an excuse to talk about Adi Shankar for a second. Um, if I toss that name your way, Kyle, does it mean anything to you? Nope. Okay, well, Adi Shankar, uh, is, he's an Indian-American fellow. That, uh, he is a producer. Um, among many, many other things. Uh, he carries a great deal of influence, but kind of like He's, he's, he's kind of like a shadow broker, Kyle. Like he, He's a behind-the-curtain man. He's John Lovitz in The Wedding Singer. Okay. <laughs> he's reaping all the benefits. He's losing his mind. Um, but the, Adi Shankar is also a colossal nerd. Um, so he's had this pet project of his uh, for the past like decade or so where he's been trying to get like fan films financed. Uh, kind of without getting permission from the owners of those intellectual properties like he made a punisher short film uh starring thomas jane i think he also made a venom short film a judge dread one and he also made a power rangers one that was incredibly well received as far as i know uh that was directed by our director here joseph khan um apparently adi shankar recently got a series on uh, netflix uh called the guardians of justice um, I've heard some interesting things about it. I don't have Netflix myself, so I haven't been able to check it out. But apparently it's like, it's basically him uh, doing a Watchmen, where he's like, I have a whole bunch of characters who are analogous uh, to known pop culture characters like Batman or, or Spider-Man or any insert superhero property here, but without the name and the brand. 
Um, and apparently it's just a gigantic like fan fan project that he's put together and he has the finances to do this crazy shit. But um, only reason I wanted to go on this rant here is that uh, he has steadily been like growing in prominence as a producer and this Joseph Kahn fella I kind of got wrapped up with him uh, at some point in his career so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we see a comeback of the con uh, because as I said the last time he did a feature was in a 2017 um, but clearly he has some of the goods um, to, to potentially make features in 2022 and beyond but um, in terms of cast, Kyle, are, are there any names or faces you'd care to point out? Mm, I do have a few. So we've got uh, Martin Henderson, who plays Ford. Uh, he is in the steaming pile of shit, smoking aces, as like the one guy that makes it out. Um, Man, everything comes back to smoking aces. Dude, the 2000s, <laughs> it all comes back to smoking aces. I mean, it really does. It's it amazing. Really... <laughs> uh, he's also in The Ring. Uh, the the uh, the remake, obviously. Uh, Ice Cube, who plays Trey. Uh, Mon- uh, Monet Mazar, who plays Shane. Dane Cook comes in. Uh, Jay Hernandez is Dalton. I like Jay Hernandez. Uh, Jamie Presley, playing uh, borderline neo-Nazis. Um, <laughs> Matt, Matt Schultz as Henry. Uh, Adam Scott's playing an uh, FBI agent, which is super annoying. Um William Lee who plays Val. I figured you might you might know who he is. Uh, I saw his his headshot and he looked like um, he looked like somebody that you might know. Um, he pops up in a lot of things that I've seen. Uh, yeah. He's never been a selling point for me personally, but I actually really do appreciate seeing him in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's like one of those people where you point and you say, "Hey, it's Will," but it's he's not a guy that you put on the poster. Is what I'm getting at. Um, and then Faison Love, who plays Sony uh, Sunny. Uh, who is one of my favorite comedic uh, character actors? Um, he was uh, the an elf. He's the 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 store owner, or the the store manager that he butts heads with, and um, big worm, obviously from Friday. Yeah, uh, he really does have some of the most like winningest of lines in this film. Like this film is not a script heavy movie, but in terms of good lines, he does get the majority yeah. of them. Yeah. They're just quick asides, but he's he's a he's a good presence on film as well yeah but yeah i I would like to point out that uh, martin henderson uh for anybody who's familiar with professional wrestling he looks kind of like john morrison um but he also kind of insert from certain angles uh, he kind of gave me some uh what's a kurt russell's kid's name oh uh wyatt russell fuck that yeah wyatt russell he kind of has he has a little bit of wyatt russell in there as well he's Um, so not talented uh, it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible how not talented he is um, he's not a bad I'm not saying he's a bad person I'm just saying like everything he's in I'm just like just please get him off the screen he may have been a better, better hockey player than he was an actor he looks like a hockey player He, I mean he did play hockey on some level I don't know how high in the pro ranks he got but he, apparently that was his pre-acting career um, so maybe he was better at that I I I would promise you he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's Wyatt Russell we're talking about, by the way. But um, I will say Martin Henderson, uh, is, he's in a uh, recent A24 film. I did not expect to see that on his resume. Um, what, which X. one? Did you say X? Yeah. Like Ty West? Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's on my list. I was, I was thinking about going to see that. 
uh, in the theater. Uh, he reminds me of the um, uh, Jamie Lannister from Game of Thrones. You know exactly which dude I'm talking about if you saw him. I don't know his name. Uh, oh, he he has a uh, a very a, a very difficult to pronounce yes. by an American tongue name. Yeah, uh, I I know his face though. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm a Ty West fan, uh, and I very much want to see X. That is high up on my list of things to see. Well, yeah, that's why I tossed it out there because mm-hmm. I was like, Kyle's going to be shocked to hear that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we actually have a, a pretty decent cast of like recognizable and mostly likable faces for this for this like relatively small uh, action film. Um, I was kind of surprised by that. I wasn't expecting to have so many. Oh, I know that guy. I know her kind of moments. But mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Presley deserves a special shout out just because uh, this was her moment. Uh, mm-hmm. She she enjoyed a good long moment in the sun uh, at this point of the 2000s. She was kind of everywhere there for a minute. Yeah. Uh, probably most prominently in Joe Dirt. Um, <laughs> but she was also in the uh, video game adaptation, Dead or Alive. Uh, and she, she certainly had a decent career here in the 2000s. I don't know what she's up to these days. Um, but it was kind of interesting seeing her in this one kind of like cast against type. Like, Very this much. is the first time I've ever seen her like used in this manner that would that was a surprise i didn't see that coming uh she's also great in uh not another teen movie she's one of the the main folks uh yeah it looks like she's mostly done some tv stuff as of recent um but yeah nothing nothing major okay well uh kyle would you uh care to give us a plot summary for torque yeah so <laughs> Um, a Red Ranger is on the run from the FBI and a former acquaintance at the same time. Uh, and he has to beat the clock to get back to L.A. to help out the FBI and screw over uh, his former acquaintance, I guess, would be the best way to wrap that up. <laughs> I mean, Everyone in the room is now dumber. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. That was the pitch. I mean, what else is like? But there's also a lot of. Vroom, 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 vroom. I mean that that's what this movie is. Is yeah. it's all visual, audiovisual flair. Like beyond that, it has very little to offer in terms of complexity of plot or characterization. This is this is like, let's do some wild shit with some vehicles and cameras and. Mm-hmm. And then throw it in the editing room and have a good time. Like th- that's kind of the vibe I got from the production. It, and to be honest, I did enjoy this movie. Like sincerely, on occasion, like it's mostly ironic entertainment where you're just like laughing at it and saying, "Holy fucking shit, that was stupid." Um, but I I would be very curious to maybe watch this one again, like with a group of friends or something, because this this movie I could see playing very very well to a crowd that can point at and laugh. Yeah, for me it was, uh, I'm like, I could appreciate the stunts, but like car and like fight choreography, uh, vehicle stunts and all that stuff is usually not, it's just not my thing. I'm like, I can recognize when it's good and be like, oh, they, they actually spent time and that actually looks pretty good. But it, it doesn't really get me engaged. But I will say I do respect the stunts, the stunt work in this film. Okay, well, maybe I can sus- maybe I can squeeze out like a- another couple of drops of appreciation for you, mm. uh, because absolutely the stunt work in this, like when it's not CGI, uh, is is quite good. It's phenomenal at times, in fact. Um, 
But the main thing that caught my eye was as fucking goofy and over the top as it is, like by Hollywood standards, mind you. We're not talking Bollywood standards. Bollywood, they don't have no rules. They they play by Thunderdome rules out there. Like you think you've seen over the top? Nah, uh-uh. not not until you've taken a look at some of what they're doing over there. Um, by Hollywood standards, this movie is absurd and over the top and absolutely ludicrous. However. Like, again, from a cinematography and an editing standpoint, there is some really incredible stuff going on here. Uh, Like, a lot of attention to detail and a lot of calculation went into setting up some of these shots and some of these edits, and I was sincerely impressed by some of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will point out, our cinematographer, by the way, is Peter Levi, um, who I'm just glancing at his filmography here, and some of the titles that jump out at me are... uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street 5, uh, which was a rushed production, but a handsome one for the most part. Predator 2, Kyle. Yeah. Predator 2. He shot Predator 2. Uh, greatest film ever made. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent film. <laughs> uh, Ricochet, uh, which is a Russell Mulcahy picture, so you better fucking believe it was shot well, uh, because that's all you get with Russell Mulcahy movies. Um, that's a someday, actually. That is a someday uh, on catching up on cinema, Kyle. I would very much like to talk about Ricochet with you sometime. Do you think there's like a cinematographer auteur out there who's just like, or somebody who's just really into cinematography that's just like watching Predator 2 for like how it's shot? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would love to have that. Where I, I forget the name of the fellow who I think he won. Uh, I forget if uh, Dune won for cinematography and editing. I think it did. Mm. But I'd love, I'd love to have the 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 cinematographer of dune like be sat down for an interview and be like what were your influences on shooting dune this this year's academy award where it's like predator 2 predator 2 easy (laughs) easy every day predator 2 watch that film study every for every frame a painting especially the one with the junk hanging in it especially you you know that long range that long lens shot we had to do for the banging for the pornographic banging in the skyscraper (laughs) master class master class cinematography film predator fucking two yeah just recently watched silence of the lambs it's like that that shot uh going into the sex scene is like somebody took care of it somebody loved it yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah nice um i also shot uh broken arrow which is one of john woo's earliest american films uh mostly i just want to point that out because John Woo generally makes handsome films. Um, And uh, I guess his career kind of trails off around the late 2010s. But uh, point is, the guy, our cinematographer, Peter Levi, uh, he is also bona fide. Um, But let's get into the movie proper. So let's get into Torque, Kyle. So things start off uh, encouraging. uh, As during the Warner Brothers logo, the production logo... We get a vroom vroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's how you know you're in good hands when your movie before the before a single image has been committed to the screen. Vroom vroom over the production logos. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have uh, two jabronis with uh, red and red and yellow cars. Um, they're racing each other out in the middle of the fucking desert, and uh, there's a tortoise like just kind of walking in the middle, which is uh, I don't get what that's all about. But yeah, these guys are just like. That's just fucking race. And also, let's try to knock each other off the road. Uh, it's kind of weird. I don't really know what's happening. Um, and then a dude on a bike just comes out of fucking nowhere, and he's just trying to pass, you know? 
And these guys are like, uh-uh, that's not going to happen. We're going to just be hitting each other in these super expensive cars. Um, and he manages to get past me. He overtakes them. And then they get to a diner that I've seen in several movies. I can't. I think the last one I can remember off the top of my head was maybe The Hills Have Eyes, I think it's in. The remake, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then these guys just go to accost him. Uh, meanwhile, there is something that says uh, cars suck somewhere. I didn't. Did you catch that? Yeah, so... It needs to be said, the, the cinematography during this opening drag race sequence is just absolutely batshit crazy. Like, like there's all sorts of blurs and, and snap zooms. There's a part where the camera rolls over the, the roof of the car and, like, slides into one of the rearview mirrors. It's CGI-assisted, obviously, but it, very interesting, very creative. It's not seamless by any means. Like, this could have been done better. Um but very, very creative use of shots and edits here. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the motorcyclist, uh, he kind of defeats them, I guess, by popping a wheelie mm-hmm. and speeding in between them as they're kind of slamming into each other with their very, very, very expensive vehicles, mind mm-hmm. you. I don't know why you would feel the need to slam into each other, let alone just to, like, spite or potentially murder uh, an unknown motorcyclist. <laughs> like, that seems a little strange to me, but... Yeah, our motorcyclist, he pops a wheelie uh, to kind of, like, speed through the the middle of them. Um, By the way, we do get a straight-up Nas shot um, from one of the the cars on the the drag race here. Um, What I'm referring to there is if if you have seen one of the earlier Fast and Furious films, you know what I'm talking about. Basically, it's where somebody... By the way, the 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 editing of of any car action in this era, and and in fact, like in the Fast and Furious movies to this day, consists of people slamming gear shifts forward and backwards and mashing pedals as hard as they can. I feel like you're in the gear you need to be in if you're going as fast as possible. I've I've never I've never understood that. It's like you got it, dude. You're in you're in fifth gear. This is as fast as you can it, go. It, it's a quirk I've noticed that I was laughing about with my friend who is a gearhead. Like when we were watching like Fast and Furious movies, it's just like, hang on, why are they doing that now? <laughs> like the timing doesn't matter. It's just to like create a rhythm and a pace with the edit. Yeah. But from a logistical standpoint, it it makes absolutely no sense. But yeah, it basically consists of lots of glamour shots of the exterior of the vehicles, lots of macro shots of gauges and 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 interior elements being slammed about <laughs> everything has to be slammed yeah it's just like um it's basically that but the uh, the nod shot that i'm referring to basically is where somebody flicks a switch and then we do like a computerized like a cgi shot like showing explosions of of gas going through the engine block um thereby accelerating the vehicle uh, it's a you know it when you see it i'm not doing a very good job of explaining it um, but yeah, the, the car suck that Kyle had alluded to just then was, um, when the motorcyclist, uh, speeds past them, there's a street sign in the middle of the desert that, uh, through the shockwave generated by this wheelie, uh, gets spun around. And I think it says like one of the street signs says like Carson, I, I didn't catch what the other one said, but as it's spinning, it causes, uh, an optical illusion, I guess, that reads cars suck. So this is the movie using its opening moments to basically flip the bird uh, to the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. Um, And then we get our title, Torque. Um, And then we arrive at a diner. And I noted here, Kyle, that the cinematography as our our main character, Ford, his name is Ford. Um, 
we've had another Ford on the show. What, what was Oh, Godzilla 2014. Remember uh, Ford Brody, I think, was his name. Mm. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, oh, the main little... character. Yeah. Yeah, that little shit. Yeah. He's playing Craven the Hunter, by the way, Kyle. I don't know what uh, that is. I, I wouldn't expect you to. Uh, he, he, he's a Spider-Man villain, which means uh, he'll probably get his own movie, and then Sony will attempt to smash it into a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie down the line, but Disney will probably be like, no, bitch. <laughs> like, fuck off. <laughs> but they'll keep trying anyway. I don't like him, but he would have made a decent Spider-Man. He's got the look, like, the look and size. Uh, he could have made a decent Spider-Man. Yeah, in, in an alternate universe, I I think it probably would have worked. Yeah. Like, I generally don't care much for him either. Uh, it was kind of funny seeing him in Tenet. Uh, he was basically playing a Call of Duty character, where it's like he's he's just the character who kind of, like, marches a few meters ahead of you and then tells you where to go, but he's incapable of opening doors unless you're next to the door. He's the checkpoint character. He's the invincible checkpoint mm. character in Tenet. Like, folks at home, if, you, if you've ever played a, call, a modern Call of Duty game, you know what I'm talking about, but... Um, I noted here as our, our main character Ford uh, pulls up to this diner as he's dismounting from his motorcycle uh, I know that the cinematography and the editing was basically a Joel Schumacher Batman movie um, just like lots of close-ups of leather butts leather belts leather jackets lots, lots of whooshes like everything is whoosh it's just like close-ups of body parts I was like wow I feel like I've seen these shots before but it was Batman and it was butt and package um and then he heads into the diner and he grabs a photo of him and his uh who we presume is a lady that's important to him but kyle did you notice the sky throughout this entire movie no (laughs) so the color the color grade of this film the color correction of this film uh results in the sky having this sickening green tinge to it mm-hmm. where it looks like it's made of algae or something like it that's the sky is a sickening shade of teal it's, it's just utterly unnatural it looks weird um and that's that's the sky outside of this diner um but our main character here ford with his luscious locks uh, he gets in an incomprehensible fight scene because mm-hmm. uh, some kid touches one the the owners of the two cars that were uh, trying to murder him earlier. They also pull up to the diner and some kid like offers to wash their car and by touching it, they like threaten to beat this kid's ass. Yeah. And this kid's like two feet tall. It's like it it just comes out of nowhere and it results in an utterly incomprehensible fight scene, which was kind of surprising to me because the the vehicle sequences in this film are shot with a lot of care and a lot of, t- of t- attention to detail. But anytime people are throwing hands with each other, it gets pretty raggedy, honestly. And I don't know if that's like a knock on the, the capabilities of the performers themselves or if they didn't have the same level of talent for the fight choreography department as they did with the vehicular choreography department. But I was really shocked by like how crappy some of the fisticuffs are in this movie. Well, the movie's not about fisticuffs. The movie's about racing and driving fast in general. So they, they, I don't think that that's where the bulk of their attention was paid. Yeah, that would be my guess. It's yeah. just it was kind of similar to how they handled the dialogue scenes, where it's just like, oh, we have to do that now. Well, I guess you know we'll we'll do what we can, but we we have plenty of other hours and days we need to devote to like the real meat of the thing. 
Uh, full disclosure, I have almost absolutely no idea what's happening in the scenes where there's not cars because I'm just like, okay, he has to Red Ranger real quick. Up, oh, he Red Rangered those drivers real quick, and now he's got to meet his buddies. And I'm like, all right, let's just get let's get to the get to the people on the bikes. <laughs> let's do that. So I'm like, that's what I need to be paying attention to because that's what this movie wants me to pay attention to. Yeah, part of the reason I brought up that uh, that Power Rangers short film that this director had made at some point after this, like well after this, is that. Um, as kyle had pointed out he's referring to this main character as the red ranger like in terms of personality he basically is like yeah. a jason of the red ranger like vein where it's just like he's he's the leonardo there's yeah. very little going on here he's just the leader because he's the handsome guy and he's the white guy i guess but um but everybody's color-coded uh, yeah. in this movie like yeah. every everybody is color-coded in this movie so it may as well be a power rangers movie in that regard uh, uh, but then his his Scooby Squad rolls up. Speaking of color coded, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, uh, we get Jay Hernandez as his buddy, and then uh, uh, Jay Hernandez's is do- They don't go by their names at all, so it's just Jay Hernandez, and then Will is the other guy. And it looks like they're about to fight, and I guess it's just how people you know address each other uh, in biker crews. Uh, they're like, "We're gonna fight, nah, dude. We're just so happy to see you." Uh, and there's like some small talk about like. What are you doing, man? Are you about ready to go do this job? I'm like, there's a job or something that they need to do. That was what I gleaned from this conversation before they get on their uh, get on their bikes here. Yeah, that that's basically what it is. But it's like, dude, you're not gonna fight. <laughs> it's like, do you know how much that vehicle in between your hips right now costs? It's like you're not gonna get into anything when you're on that. Park that shit first, then then come at me. <laughs> really, uh, I, can't, I, I can't be threatened by a man who's straddling that much money between his legs. <laughs> uh, they the way they use bikes in this movie kind of reminds me of how the Baron just kind of flies around in Dune, where he's just like he just has like complete control over his flying mechanism, even though he's like five hundred pounds heavy. These guys are just like kind of moving around on bikes occasionally, especially with the train scene. I kind of got a kick out of that. It's actually kind of funny. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, this movie seems to have gotten ahead of Fast and Furious in terms of in terms of the characters' relationships to their vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like just just like a, a little bit ahead because like the Fast and the Furious, I don't think the producers of that film recognized like that they they had crafted a universe where okay, we have a bunch of superheroes. But they they don't put on their super suit until they they get in a car like a vehicle. It doesn't even matter if it's their vehicle. Just as soon as they get in a vehicle, it's like they turn Super Saiyan and they can do anything. Yeah. Like they yeah. can do literally anything, anything as long as they're behind the wheel of a vehicle. Um, this this movie does that, but it took a little longer for Fast and Furious to get there. I feel like this is closer to what I would I would imagine because I'm never going to watch it. Uh, what Hobbs and Shaw is like like the craziness. Oof, the Hobbs boop. and Shaw is that's that's kind of a letdown movie, Kyle. Like it, you just like peeled back a scab on my arm. Yeah, man. sorry. Like, it, I mean, it's it is not the sum of its parts. I mean, you got right. you got you got the Rock, you got Dwayne, you got Jason Statham, you got fucking Idris Elba in there. Like I like these people. Well, Even I'm, the director, I love the director, but you know, it just wasn't what it could have been. I mean, I'm just talking about the unrealistic control over the. Oh, you automated. mean the rock pulling a, a helicopter yeah. down? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how crazy the Fast and the Furious movies get because I'm also not going to watch any of those movies. I'm also not going to watch Tenet. <laughs> now that you mention it, uh, oh, you're not going to watch Tenet? No, nah, it's up there with the Irishman. I'm just like, I, I'm not going to do it. 
It just I, mean, I don't know. We we talked about this before we started recording. It's it's part of getting old, man. It's, yeah. Well, in in your case, I think it's just more about value systems, where it's just like you can recognize a thing and understand that may have some objective quality to it, but I don't need it. Yeah. And I only have so many hours I can devote to the shit anyway. So if if you don't need tenant in your life, then don't bother. Inception was fine. It was fine. I'm not going to go back and rewatch it. I watched it the one time, like, it's fine. Um, but yeah, I was I just thinking. expect that. But I was just thinking, like, the, the craziness, like, I'm just thinking specifically of the train sequence. I'm just like, I feel like that's what Hobbs and Shaw became. Like, this this was just, like, crazy from the beginning, where, like, Fast and the Furious just got to this point where it was a bit more crazy. Yeah, it's kind of a shame, actually, because, like, may, maybe in, a, in an alternative universe, we would have had more torque. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 I feel like torque for the kids these days would probably work really really well but in 2004 maybe we just weren't ready for torque no like which is a shame because yeah. you know i kind of like torque <laughs> I'm, kinda, I, I'm like coming around to it i'm kind of i'm a torque defender i was watching this i'm like i think trevor's actually gonna dig this movie <laughs> I, I like i said i think i kind of like this movie i'm really surprised by that i wasn't i wasn't prepared for that i didn't uh, want to fall in love kyle it uh, just happened <laughs> Yeah, so the boys, they get on their bikes. They're, like, having a conversation on their bikes. And it's like, I'm going to race you guys. First, last one, there's a rotten egg or whatever. Um, and this is where we get the uh, the sequence of them driving. Uh, I can't remember what the name of this highway is. Uh, I think this is, oh, is it? It's a specific highway in California that you basically just drive along. It looks like you drive along the coast, which I thought was what it was. But I'm not entirely sure where this was shot. But it, the point is, is that it's very, very windy. And I need to ask about the uh, the song that plays over this because we get our credits here. It's a montage of bike riding. Pretty decent Jane's Addiction song. Uh, I recognized it right away as Jane's Addiction. Um, not the they're not the worst. I'm not a huge Jane's Addiction fan, but they're they're not too bad. Uh, I like Dave Navarro. Uh, he's cool. Um, but this is definitely not this is not the best song in the film. There is a song later that is one of my fa- is one of my favorite like just new metal songs and is currently I I, I know what it is. <laughs> it's on my workout playlist and I when it came on I'm like dude I want to go for a run. It gets me jazzed up every time. I fucking love it. I and they let laughing. it play. They let it play in its entirety. In its entirety. I love it. In its entirety. I was laughing uncontrollably not just because of the music cue but because of what it, what it accompanies. <laughs> That this movie is a this movie is marvelous. That's it's a song, masterpiece. That song is a new metal masterpiece. I will stand by that. <laughs> it was pretty incredible. Oof. Like when that hit, I was like, oh yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna, yes. I already, already worked out today. I'm about to hit a second workout. <laughs> I'm gonna play Let's go on. running. Let's, Let's go, go running. running. <laughs> I don't have any crack. Um yeah, they uh <laughs> They, uh, they get on this uh, highway, and they're hitting the corners, and uh, this is kind of odd, but there's just a dude sleeping on the side of the road on his motorcycle, which I don't really think... I, I, you can't really sleep on a motorcycle. There's not a lot of room for error on that. It's not a hammock. Um, but they drive past, and I guess it just startles him a little bit, and he gets very upset, but there's a, a whole group of dudes just... Are they are they like, cooking something? Are they having like a grill out? I think they're just sitting, but like the way they're arranged in the frame looks like there should be a grill or something out it was, there. Like it looks like a barbecue, but it's in the desert yeah. on the side of the highway. Yeah. 
it, it makes not a lick of sense but yeah there's like a whole gang of folks like yeah. literally a gang but it's like 30 people complete with ladies like riding on the backs of these bikes that they're all yeah. just camped out by the side of the highway um yeah. and then actually it's kind of funny because this uh this got me thinking that in it in a different world maybe in a different year uh this easily could have been a video game movie yeah because it certainly like on an aesthetic level uh certainly fits kind of fits the the mold that we were going for in the 2000s um but i was thinking a road rash like i i was like oh shit this could easily just be a road rash movie and and i mean it's not totally out of the realm of possibility considering that we had a fucking need for speed movie at some point this i can see the story like i've i can see the storyline like i can see them stopping and just play hey are you about ready to do this next job well first we got to race to the next place and you have to race on this windy road yeah this could totally been a video game movie yeah what was that uh what was that vigo mortensen movie uh about uh uh, he's he's uh he rides a horse it's like a hidalgo hidalgo thank you it would be that but with motorcycles because I mean that that was an action movie as well as a, a race movie. You could easily you could easily make a road rash movie with motorcycles and and fisticuffs. I watched that movie. I don't remember a minute of it though. Um, Neither do I, <laughs> including the title apparently. Um, but yeah, I think there's uh, I think there's a little bit of an accident here, and is this where the accident happens? Yeah. So. We've had what two and a half minutes without people hitting each other. Yeah. So we need we need more of that, obviously. So yes, uh, the fellow that was startled, uh, his name is Junior, by the way. I th- I think it's like a, I think it's required if a character's named Junior in a film, they have to be an asshole. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just required. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Black Dog. There was a Junior in that, a Ginger Junior at that. Uh, he, he Patrick Swayze murdered him in that film nice. because he was an asshole. Um. What else? I think there was a junior in uh, Platoon. He was an asshole. Was that, <laughs> uh, was that Kevin Dillon? No, that was Bunny. <laughs> was, Bunny Bunny never left that jungle. Bunny was at home in that jungle. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, this character's name is Junior. He is Ice Cube's younger brother, as we'll come to learn. But yeah, he, he takes off and he starts fucking trying to fight on the road on a motorcycle. Like, he just starts throwing hands while he's on his motorcycle, and eventually he wipes out. Um, so everybody pulls over uh, to try to talk to him, and then he, he pulls out a knife, and he, he keeps fighting him. <laughs> he is perpetually in a state of pissed off. Like, his whole his whole runtime in this movie, like, he is just pissed off. Very aggro. And Ice Cube is exceptionally aggro in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he has his trademark Ice Cube sneer, just, oh. like, permanently like, yeah. <laughs> Kyle just did it. <laughs> Kyle just did it perfectly, folks. You can't see it, but it's it's incredible. But yeah, he is his face is permanently just locked into the ice cube sneer the yeah. entire film, the entire yeah. film. Um, but yeah, this uh, knife fight gets broken up very quickly, and Ice Cube arrives. Uh, his name is Trey, by the way. Ice mm-hmm. Cube, Trey, Ice Trey. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> ice Trey. Okay, we got to call him Ice Trey for the rest. Of the- we got nice tea. We got ice cube. And ice, no, tray. We got ice tray. We got to call him. Ice Where's tray. ice box? <laughs> oh man! Uh, but he arrives on the scene. It's. I mean, he's ice cube, so obviously he's the leader. Ice dur. Ice box would have been a jazz musician in the fifties. Yeah, that 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 adds up. I, I, I would go with that's that. period appropriate. Yeah. 
and by the way, the prop design. Like, am I wrong? Like, did did Junior's is his do rag made of rubber? Like, like it is. Is it like a sh- a rubber chamois or something? I don't it know. Looks re- it looks like a swimmer's cap or something, but like five sizes too big. Trevor, other than noticing that he had a do rag on, I made no other observation as to the uh, the do rag. So we'll go with he has a rubber do rag on. I mean, very similar to as I often say about Riz Ahmed in uh, Rogue One, the Star Wars film. Fuck, he's in that movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what I like to say about him in that film is that his goggles have more characterization than he does. Oh, he's the goggle. Wait, he's the goggle See, guy. See, I say I say goggles, and you're and suddenly you know who I'm talking about. It's the same thing with with Junior in this, where his his rubber do rag has more character than him. Uh, because he's just a rage beast that's subservient to Ice Cube. That is his character. Um, but yeah, uh, Ice Cube decides to to be nice because the cops are rolling around like they're they're roaming the streets. Kyle's making a face at me. I was going to say, I've got to quote Juicy J here. Shut the fuck up! I did not know that he was in this. <laughs> that is nuts. I'm like, he wasn't. I'm like, it's somebody else. No, Riz Ahmed is straight up in Rogue One. Wow. Riz, Riz Ahmed. Like, like hot mo hot actor of the moment was goggles <laughs> like his Crazy. character name in the credits is probably goggles you just blew my fucking mind uh, uh but yeah ice cube lets him go uh he says but you owe me a bike yeah like i'm gonna take one of your bikes and they're like well not now because the cops are like right there and he's like fine i'll see i'll catch you later and then cue cue up the kid rock oh because it's... this film this film could not reach reach its end credits without it i take southern rock and i'm mixing with the hip hop <laughs> fuck man man he went full-blown anti-vax like he made songs about being anti-vax uh in 2020 it's pretty crazy he's like grown a real fuck vaccine and shit yeah no he's he's off his rocker um he's he's still very successful though um apparently he has this my mom has told me about this that he does this thing where he has like a uh, like a festival where everybody just brings their own grills and cooks out, but he has his own beer and everybody just like gets like everybody just kind of I guess buys his beer and they all just grill out and there's like live music and shit. It's actually really I think it was kind of a big deal. Um, I'm not gonna go to that shit, but uh, good for him. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kid Rock has never occupied any sort of real estate in my heart, but I I will say this much in terms of cultural footprint. Like it, it says a lot that I can just look at the general vibe and aesthetic of a film mm-hmm. and know that he's gonna show up at some point. <laughs> like, well, I mean, his music video for American Badass is him. They're riding motorcycles in that, and that was like two thousand one. Um, having said that, all that negativity about Kid Rock, ball with the ball, still slaps, and he deserves his success based off of that song. Yeah, he he's got some hits, and as far as I've heard, actually, like he does have some legitimate like musical ability. Like he's he, fine. He is a yeah. No, I've I've heard he's he's actually a decent musician. I, again, politics aside and stuff. But question, yeah, Kyle, maybe you can answer this because it just occurred to me. Bring it. Are you? Is it possible, or or does the universe implode if you do this? Is it possible to have both Kid Rock and the Limp Bizkit? in the same film mm. or occupying the same stage at the same time or does that or does that is that the history eraser button 
You know, I don't know if they ever collaborated. Limp Biscuit were known to collaborate with um, several musicians. Uh, I think they did a song with Method Man. They did a song with Jonathan Davis from Korn. They definitely worked with Chino Marino from um, the Deftones. I was a music nerd. Um, so I don't recall Limp Biscuit ever collaborating with Kid Rock, but I guarantee you they've been at the same parties, 100%. I don't think there's bad... I, I can't imagine there's bad blood there. I feel like... Honestly, I feel like Limp Bizkit could be a lot of fun to hang out with. Like, all of them. They'd be a pretty good time. Yeah, well, thank you for answering that, Kyle. Uh, I love talking to you about music, especially of a certain era, because you, you certainly always have lots to say. Lots that I don't have to say. <laughs> I know my shit from the late 90s to the early 2000s. I know my and shit. that's why I ask you. That's why I ask you. But uh, I will say this much. Uh, as I said, I am blown away by the fact that there is no WWE talent in this film. Uh, they would have been at home on this set, but um, my nose nearly both bled. Biscuit my- and Kid Rock both uh, did uh, entrance themes for wrestlers uh, during this time period, by the way. My nose nearly started bleeding. I got to the credits. I'm like, there was not one WWF person. No Hunter Hearst Helmsley even just like comes on as a security guard. And he was, he was a big deal in 2004. I even know that shit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was blown away because that certainly would have fit in with the target demographic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect circle. <laughs> the perfect overlap. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, so yeah, so he's like, you got to give me a bike, a new bike by the end of the night, basically. He says, like, like tomorrow or he's got, it's a very short timeline that he has to get him a new bike. Yeah, it, it's tomorrow, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's just like, all right. Let's just go to this biker rally. Cut to ass. Dude, when I saw this, I'm like, I, I didn't realize until I saw this this scene. I'm like, this guy directs music videos 100% because this is just music videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the introduction to this bike meet in this small town is it's just a music video. It's just it's just ass. They didn't look at the la- camera. Oh. Yeah. They even make direct eye contact with the viewer judging. like it's yeah uh like it's something yeah we we have like lathered up ass low angle fisheye lenses like this man has been to car meets he has been on the set of music videos he knows what he's doing and actually i'm I'm not i don't have a whole lot to say about it but i will point out that uh this is (laughs) this is horrible for me to say but this is a curious uh omission uh, in more recent Fast and Furious films, um, they're strangely sexless, uh, which is shocking given the, the target demographic. It's the Rock. I, it's it's the Rock and the heights of the sh- their success, yeah. and also the fact that those films are very popular in regions that aren't especially keen on yeah. showing skin. Yeah, yeah. PG thirteen diverse. That's yeah. That's your PG thirteen diverse and also cover it up. Yeah, <laughs> it's like like it's like you you can have a you can have a body, just don't show it to me unless it's covered. Me, um, go but, up there and put a sweater on. I can't do Vin <laughs> Diesel. That was my Vin Diesel. <laughs> you need to cock your head to one side or the other. You think your I... head has to be off center with your body. He almost when he talks when he talks low, he almost doesn't move his mouth. He's like, "What do you think I'm gonna do about that?" Like it's. Yeah. I mean, did you ever see the uh, the Bambi skit on Saturday Night Live? Ne- uh, what decade was this? Uh, it probably 2010s. Uh, uh, it was an episode with The Rock hosting. No, but I will watch it if it's yeah 2010s. That was a good time. It was a fun skit where they had a, a 
beautiful interpretation of Vin Diesel in those films. Where oh. Goes, I'm always thumping. Uh, is The Rock, I'm guessing, playing uh, playing Vin Diesel? He's playing Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> but Vin uh, Diesel shows up and he's like, Cause I'm always thumping. I might. And then he reiterates it and just it just devolves into... <laughs> if you find it, you let me know. Uh, I'll send it to you. Okay, so here's where we get to the most unlikely trope that happens in films. Also, let's go ahead and get our product placement counter going up in the corner. Ding! Budweiser. Uh, we meet uh, Shane, who was the girl that was in the picture that he pulled from the diner. Um, this is a trope that happens in these movies. It's the smoke show that's a mechanic. Now, this Gone in 60 Seconds, um, eh, Fast and the Furious, I mean... Michelle Rodriguez is aight, but uh, it would have been Jordana Brewster would have been going with that trope in, in my opinion. I don't know how those movies move forward if they have smoke show mechanics, but this is a, again a smoke show mechanic who is digging into some kind of engine piece with a screwdriver. So I sent Trevor a, vi- a, a gif of uh, one of my favorite comedies, Hot Rod, <laughs> where he is trying to look like he is tough, like a man, and he is smacking an engine with a hammer (laughs) just smacking it (laughs) this happens twice in this movie where somebody's just got a screwdriver and they're just digging into something like that's not how you use that tool (laughs) yeah it's pretty spectacular Um, (laughs) spot on (laughs) i was wondering if they put that in there because i mean of course with your fast and the furious movies you got people who are into cars who like those movies and uh, presumably you're going to have people who are into uh bikes and also presumably they know how to work on them and tinker a little bit i wonder if they put that in there just to kind of bug them a little bit it's like that's not what you do with that i mean i i i'm not sure about that like the motivations for putting in the the repair stuff in there like for like to this film's credit they do wisely pull away from any sort of detail Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like they really do not get into anything concerning like actual details or logistics when it comes to car and vehicle repair um but it's 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 actually like oddly kind of like a like a misogynistic kind of thing going on with the with the repair gal trope where it's like it's very very common like you said to have the hot girl like do the repairs and be a, a skilled mechanic and sometimes even give like verbal dick dick slaps to the the guys in the cast about like knowing more than they do yeah like that's very very common what is not is them doing the driving yeah um <laughs> I was gonna usually say- they're not usually they're not allowed to drive or they're not very they're not remarkable when it comes to driving i think the i think the I think the best one, the best example, is Megan Fox. I think she's in that second Transformers movie where she's yeah. almost wearing no clothes and she's working on a. I think she's working on a motorcycle or a truck or something like that. And then she also never drives a single vehicle. Yeah, yeah, that, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, and in fact, in this one, uh, this character Shane has a moment that made me scratch my head, where she rolls up to like save her man who's trapped in the desert Uh and without a word exchange she slides Mm -hmm. backwards and just assumes that he's going to do the driving now yeah it's like excuse me you you rode out to get him like that's your bike see what (laughs) 
I think Angelina Jolie drives in Gone in 60 Seconds. I've never watched the movie, obviously. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she just like she just slides right back. She uh, does she do any more driving? I feel like she does a little bit of driving in this movie. She does driving, like yeah. like she she rides a bike a couple more see, times and and the car as well. I think. See, Letty in the first Fast and the Furious movie, she's a part of that team. She is she is rolling she, that that carries through yeah throughout the entirety of the franchise. I There's a, a like a, a nerdy gal who shows up later that's kind of like a ludicrous's uh female counterpart that nice. uh, she uh it's a uh, one of the gals from uh game of thrones i believe uh, i don't know her name though is she short uh, or tall uh medium uh, nope. <laughs> i gotta look it up now <laughs> yeah sorry i can't help you when did she come into know- the fr- when did she come into the franchise uh seven i believe oh jesus uh <laughs> does she continue into the franchise uh yeah she's still there Fast, Furious, it's Furious 7. Okay, let me find out who she is. Yeah, uh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but to, to move us along here. Ah, Natalie Emanuel, who I think Thank is, is uh, really great in that show. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I still need to get around to watching that, but I, I all I knew was that she was part of the cast because I'd seen her in, like, uh, I don't know, behind-the-scenes stills and whatnot. Actually, I actually think um, she's, like, she's, like, the hottest one in that show, too, by the way. You heard it here, folks. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So actually, I kind of I had a funny note here where I, I I noticed that this scene was very familiar to me, and it came from an unexpected source. So basically, Ford Ford and Shane are our breeding pair. Are two are two white people are hot white people. Uh, she of course has a more masculine chin than he does, but don't tell her that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um but. Um, this scene is straight up Indiana Jones and Marion. Yep. It is straight up exactly the same scene, like including the bad guy showing up wanting something. As soon like, as you like, said that you'd seen this before, I'm like, oh, it's Indiana Jones. He's going to say Indiana Jones. Yeah, I, did, I didn't expect, like, that's a strange, like, source to draw from, but it kind of, like, it, it, it got me through the scene without noticing, the, like, without getting preoccupied with the Budweiser signs and the shitty repair jobs. Um, but yeah, basically they have a they have tension between the two of them. It's, and if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It's basically the same sequence. You ran away. You abandoned me. I'm upset at you. Indiana Jones, Ford, <laughs> um, and uh, we get a Jesse James cameo here. Uh, oh, that's Jesse. The last one. That's Jesse James. Uh, I was like, I recognize this dude. I mean, the time of the release, 2004. <laughs> yeah, I he mean, had he had a fucking <laughs> five year window. Yeah. 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 From reality television, I think it was uh, his shops like West Coast Choppers or something. I forget. That's the father and son. That was different people. Oh, sorry. It's fine. Um, Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he has a cameo here, and uh, sure enough, just like Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, we have some bad guys rolling up here. Yeah. Uh, They interrupt their conversation here, but not before uh, Shane drops a couple of important quote important plot details about mm-hmm. federal agents hellions henry james stolen bikes and mm-hmm. then sure enough henry james shows up and he yeah. is our bad guy with the most intimidating of haircuts what oh, do you call this dude. monstrosity kyle dude so when he got that when i saw his hair i'm like that's a white supremacist haircut that is a dude that does not give a fuck oh oh it just it just registered a uh, green room mm-hmm 
Yeah, I wow. I, I don't know these things, but I put that together. Thanks. Like this dude looks like he was there for the ain't rights. Uh, he <laughs> for for sure. Um, but yeah, so he shows up with his awful. It is a it is half a mullet. It's a mullet in the back, and then a marauder shaved it before being time traveled <laughs> back to Mad Max in the front. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It's well, awful. Somebody did the thing where they take a, they take a pair of clippers to you when you're asleep or they drop peanuts <laughs> on your face with a Sharpie. Yeah. And he just, he just didn't care. Like yeah. he just, he just said, whatever. He's like, I'm not even embarrassed. I'm just going to beat this dude's ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think Jamie Presley kind of makes her appearance uh, her name is China, but again, never referred to by her name. Easily could have been played by China, Ooh. by the way. Yeah, because she has as much dialogue that China could handle. And she occupies the same role. She's just yeah. a female heavy that doesn't talk much. Oh, I'm sure that was offered at some point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she was still alive then, right? Oh, absolutely. I forgot when she passed away. It wasn't It wasn't too long after this, I feel. Um, I don't know how active she was as a wrestler, but she was alive, for sure. Yeah, so we have, we're, quote-unquote, burning the candle at both ends. and the, Three ends, because we've got uh, Ice Trey, who's looking for him, uh, who, who he's going to be in trouble with. Uh, Henry's pissed at him. And then we also have the FBI, who is currently looking for him. Yeah, uh, so basically this... Uh, seething exchange of dialogue wherein uh weapons are brandished uh, jamie oh. presley comes at ford with a knife and uh Ugh. shane slides slides him a handgun across the table and we actually get a camera set up where apparently we shot using a glass table so the camera could look up through the invisible table mm -hmm. to see the gun slide over into his palm again like this this was a well-considered production in a lot of ways but yeah. um basically he scares them off by pointing a gun uh, in their faces and all you really need to know is Henry James is our bad guy, as yeah. evidenced by that fucking haircut. Yeah. Um, he wants his bikes back because apparently Ford stole two of his bikes. And as Kyle had mentioned, I think, in the plot summary, uh, there was a lot of meth in the gas caps of those bikes. So I didn't, he wants those bikes. I did not mention that, but meth and white supremacists go hand in hand. Um, yeah. Yeah. If, no shit. If, <laughs> if True Detective taught me anything, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so now, so Shane's playing hard to get, so uh, sh uh, she and Ford head to a party. Um, so if he's wanted by the FBI, and he has two biker dudes looking for him separately, why would you go to a biker rally? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to pump the brakes for just a second, because I want Ooh, to point nice, out that Henry nice. James immediately wasn't intentional. Boom, boom. Fuck, I, I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take a walk. Uh, Henry James, after this exchange, actually goes to visit uh, Ice Cube, Ice Tray, if you will. Um, and they 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 oh, have their yeah. business they have their business dealings in the parking lot of a ninety nine cent store. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, that's actually stunningly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I never expected reality to be an element of pork but yeah i could totally see exactly this deal happening in exactly that venue but yeah they're sitting in the back of a car in a 99 cent store parking lot and basically henry james is pressuring ice tray uh to help him pressure ford to get his bikes back yeah. or allow him to deal on his territory mm -hmm. to which ice tray says fuck off with that um and i just wanted to point out that uh there is a great line here <laughs> which also uh points to a 
product placement, which I know Kyle is a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Get me a Diet Pepsi. Don't <laughs> slam my door. <laughs> yeah. Diet Pepsi. Diet Pepsi. Mm. Um, so, but, yeah. Uh, we we cut to night, and uh, we have a moment where we see uh, Jay Hernandez cut Henry James's bike chain, mm-hmm. uh, and then I noticed here that Shane uh, Monet Mazer uh, mm-hmm. she has an odd acting quirk where she's like jerking her head every line. She's she's putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable with the way she's delivering her lines. It's a mm-hmm. little distracting. I I don't know if she was told to do that or if she just decided to. But it is what it is. And uh, we have something I like to call a love chase, um, where basically it's like a playful motorcycle chase through yeah. the streets. A very dangerous chase, by the way. Even They even go indoors. They drive through like a repair shop with their bikes, and there's like fireworks on the ground yeah. and all sorts of smoke effects and stuff. It looks like a fucking meatloaf music video or something. They're putting other people's lives in danger. But as Kyle had said... <laughs> <laughs> It's the it's the little moment with uh with what's her face J- Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker when they go out for a date and then she's driving it's just like a oh oh no it's not just that Kyle it just man you're pulling it out of me you're you're like you're drawing out the demons Kyle okay the playground fight from Daredevil oh don't say it oh it's in my head oh oh, oh don't don't think oh. it don't say it it's like it's like it's like it's like the visual little shop of horrors like once it's in it can't get out <laughs> it's the bye-bye man oh god <laughs> yes it's Ben Affleck and and Jagar fighting on the playground on wire rigs the sex it's scene exactly that the sex scene in public enemies was less jarring than that, than that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus um but then uh yeah as kyle had said shane agreed she's like if you want to talk to me more you got to buy me a beer because yeah. it's 2004 and we and this movie is sponsored by every beer <laughs> under the sun um and then we have i in my notes it is written out all in caps smash cut to the concert venue because this is like kyle do you remember when we journey to outworld in, yeah. mortal, in mortal combat i'm familiar Do you remember the cgi see the shot where we like go up into the tower bro i don't know off the top of my head but oh yes i do remember that but i am 100 percent watching that when we get done i'm dustin well, I, i'm I, 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 i'm on a hot streak man yeah. i just i just keep referencing all the right things yeah like, <laughs> it's like, like what was it last time it was what alien yeah i watched that and just went straight through the things that i needed to do now i've got a fucking fridge with half a pizza in it and one soda water left Mortal Kombat is happening. I'm picturing Kyle putting on Mortal Kombat, uh, and then like just like right before bed, just kind of like clearing out a space in the kitchen, and just busting out a kip up, and just yeah. be like, still got it, still yeah. got it. <laughs> I tried to do it last time, and it was too dangerous and disappointing. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't have enough space in here. Uh, but apparently, yeah. this this concert venue takes place in Outworld yes, because it's it exactly the same camera move. It's it's it is the smashiest of smash cuts. And Kyle music who is who is the band on I, stage i try to figure it out i don't know who this band is visually i do is i it, do can i guess before you do it before you get there visually yeah. visually i thought it was shine down but i don't know if shine down were quite in it just yet uh but could you please tell me who it is i believe and i could be totally wrong because i don't know them but uh the the player that i was using said it was monster magnet yeah i have no idea who that is Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but yes, the band Monster Magnet uh, is playing. 
and uh, there are like sparks coming out of the walls. There are all sorts of scantily clad women writhing like in every corner of the room because that's that's yeah. what you do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is this is the most diverse concert venue I think I've seen in a 2004 movie. Right. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. impressive. Actually. I mean, I mean, for this time, I mean. Rap and hip hop are like this is this is huge at the time, and there's there's a very diverse crowd rocking out to this band. I'm like, yeah, to- you heard it, folks. Torque, highly yeah. progressive film, very progressive <laughs> or delusional. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is worth noting uh, our director Joseph Kahn, is a uh, he's Korean, mm. uh, he's co- like Korean American, I believe. Gotcha. Um, and as he, as you would point out, the cast of our film is actually fairly diverse by any standard mm-hmm. especially 2004 standards very much um so there may be some cross there may that may actually be partially responsible for it where yeah. we have a, a korean director Matt, will young lee is also korean american um and then you have him working in the music video industry which is you know regardless of who who's paying who's like fronting the bill for all of those productions um, in terms of talent, is highly diverse, especially in the 2000s and whatnot, and especially like considering the musicians that he was working with. So I'm sure that had a hand in the casting process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, basically all that happens here is we're at this concert venue. Everybody's drinking beer. Mm-hmm. It's 2004. Uh, Ford somehow in this sea of human bo- sea of human flesh manages to bump into Junior, aka the guy in the do rag from earlier, uh, who like knocks over his beer so he punches him again mm-hmm. and then ice tray aka ice cube just bamfs into existence in front of them somehow these people just keep <laughs> fucking finding each yeah. other he, <laughs> they all have nightcrawler powers he appears like batman disappears out of fucking thin air uh <laughs> uh yeah and there's a little bit of a scuffle here and uh henry our piece of shit uh is just like i think i got an idea how to wrap this whole thing up <laughs> Uh, so his master plan is that he is going to murder Junior and then try to frame um, Ford for the murder, and that's his that's his master plan. That's his master stroke. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, immediately starts a melee in the club. That is Henry James just finds a random person yeah. to slug in the face. Yeah, somebody hit somebody. Set- <laughs> yeah, and then just everybody starts hitting each other. It's kind of great. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, um, and we see that one of his goons, uh, whose complexion would not suggest this, uh, he's got some fucking moves. Like, he just starts, like, wailing on people from, like, in every direction. Um, and even the band gets in it, on it. Like, they start, like, punching people who are charging the stage and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious. But uh, the cinematography and the editing gets out of control here where there's, like, a weird, like, vignette effect where it's like there's a, a, a halo of blur around everything on the periphery of the frame. So it's like supposed to, I think, simulate Junior's thought process or something because he's like freaking out. Um, but it looks like Batman begins when people are on the fear toxin gas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, like, I know he's scared, but I don't think he's like, I don't think he's that scared. Jesus. <laughs> but he like, he goes and hides in uh, the, the dingy bathroom that's all bathed in red light. Um, because bad shit's gonna happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, Punisher's coming in. Lo- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ray Stevenson shows up. Whoops, wrong club. Sorry, oh, wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, long story short, Henry James and his goon squad corner Junior, and then uh, choke him to death with the severed bike chain that mm-hmm. uh, Jay Hernandez had cut earlier. Um, and then uh, we cut to uh, more lovey dovey shit. 
where uh, Ford and Shane are talking about Thailand. Yeah, these piece these pieces of shit. They're talking next to a pool, a decent looking pool, and they're throwing beer bottles. You have to drain that fucking pool. What assholes? Don't ever do that. Pieces yeah, of I'm shit. So, I'm so glad you pointed that out because like I noted, um, it's very important that Kyle said bottles, plural. Mm. Uh, so many beer bottles get tossed during this conversation. At least two. Both, like, I think he, he like, chastises her for tossing one, and then he does it himself. I'm like, what an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's, you know, trying to tongue his way back into her good graces. Um, <laughs> they're fucking shitbags here. Uh, but I think this is where we introduce the federal agents, quote, unquote. Yeah, so basically all that happens during this is that they warm up to each other even more, and yeah. he informs her as to why he left town. It was because of the meth and the bikes. Basically, they were her shop. They were they had like a shop together, a bike shop. And uh, he, he discovered the meth, so he left the country to take the heat off of her and like direct it solely to himself. And now he's back because he's an idiot, apparently. Or maybe he's just that in love. Um by the way, Will Young Lee, uh, he gets laid. Yeah, uh, he he he's he's allowed. He he gets some glamour shots to himself. Like the, this movie is very kind to Will Young Lee for sure. <laughs> um, this is I forget her name. She's a singer from this time period. I have no idea what she sings. I just recognized her uh, name, Christina Milian. Yeah, I'm yeah. I know that she was popular at this time. I have no idea what she sings though. Yeah, I recognized her face, but I didn't know where from. But that's that's her name. But yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Young Lee gets some of that. Uh, although it is worth noting, she comes on to him first. He compliments <laughs> her bike, and she compliments his ass. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, he is awakened from his uh, his session with her uh, by Jay Hernandez, and he's like, "We gotta go." Uh, so they go. Uh, but he's like, "Can I finish first? Um, anyway, Ice Cube's pissed, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we cut back to the concert venue where they're uh, putting junior in a in an ambulance because he is dead and i uh, love the witness where they say that there's a witness and you just see this neo-nazi chick on the cop car yeah i saw the whole thing <sighs> yeah future episode actually blood rain mm-hmm. the same outfit yeah. <laughs> jamie yeah. presley is aka blood rain in this film just without the red hair uh, she she's wearing like straight up a, a women's wrestling outfit from the 2000s. She looks like, like a god. Straight up. She looks like a Godsmack groupie. Godsmack groupie Trish Stratus. Yep. In, insert female pro wrestling talent from the from the era mm-hmm. here. Uh, but yeah, she's just like laying on the hood of a car, chewing gum and talking to the cops, giving a statement. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's it's weird. But basically, she's tell she's laying the blame on Ford. And uh, yeah, we're introduced to Adam Scott, uh, who plays McPherson, our resident uh, youthful FBI agent. And I have very little to say about him at this juncture. How about yeah, you? Yeah, no, see, his his strengths had not been um, vetted. We haven't vetted out his strengths at this point, so he's just annoying in this movie. God, he is so baby-faced in this, though. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the years were kind to him. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's he's a little too smooth in this movie. It's it's a little weird seeing mm. him this young. He's also dressed like an asshole. So he's got like, oh yeah, <laughs> he's got a shitty T-shirt with a blazer on. He's dressed like a uh like like a like a billionaire basically. What I would imagine like a, a young billionaire would dress. He's got a shitty T-shirt, uh, a blazer, and then he's got like suit like gangsters like the stripes. Like he's got like uh suit pants and then uh Chuck Taylors. 
yeah the the shoes complete the, the outfit yeah. completely but you're absolutely right he does look like a tech mogul or something uh-huh. um either way like regardless of like economic status uh his his coffee orders are complicated with that. <laughs> um anyway uh, ice cube uh he catches he catches wind of the fact that jamie presley is blaming ford for uh his brother's death so he's like we gotta roll out uh and then we cut to denny's (laughs) oh yeah Uh, it's just a truck stop we're having breakfast our our heroes are having breakfast and uh shane sees that ford is on the news uh there's like a, a news report going out saying that he's he's wanted for murder um, and he's a prime suspect. And uh, this is where I have a very long string of just like laughs in my uh, in my notes for for very subtle reasons. So let me allow me to elaborate. So first, we cut to Ice Cube and his whole gang of motorcyclists on on the highway. He gets a cell phone call while whilst riding his motorcycle at high speed. He has a giant like car battery sized cell phone that is magnetized and he slaps it against his helmet and he's able to communicate with the nearby car from from this magnetized gigantic cell phone i was like holy fucking shit and then not only that uh hands free uh his uh an suv pulls up alongside him that, that has his his buddies in it and they hand him a, a physical road map because they're trying to find Ford. Yeah. So while he has this magnetized cell phone attached to his helmet, with both hands, he grabs this full-sized map, and we just get these shots of him riding at speed on his motorcycle while reading a map with both hands. It's, that's, it's that's completely absurd. That's dangerous to do if you're the passenger in a car that's driving fast. Like, you're going to distract the driver. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. Like they they knew how fucking stupid this was. Yeah. Because there's a whole like gang of people riding on bikes behind him, and he's just kind of like, like just rocking back and forth, going like 80 miles an hour while reading a map. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the next big visual gag. Hap- it, this is just like bang, bang, bang. It. it I, this movie caught me off guard with this. I wasn't expecting it to make me laugh so hard. We cut to to Henry James, the bad guys. And it's like a row of 20 guys peeing off the side of a cliff. Yeah. It's incredible. (laughs) And by the way, he makes a phone call while holding his junk in the other hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He makes a threatening phone call to our hero (laughs) while he's peeing with the other hand. It's like, like we didn't have Bluetooth. He couldn't really do this hands-free, man. He calls forward to to threaten him, basically. say, I'm coming for you. Zip! (laughs) <laughs> but for like the call actually goes to William Lee's cell phone and we have this hilarious bit where I, I started noticing that like every prop in this movie has to be thrown at least two or three times eventually so like William Lee tosses his 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 cell phone to Ford who catches it and they have a phone conversation and then I, I noticed that Ford has this quirk where he he ends phone conversations by either slamming the phone or cutting things off prematurely so he gets mad at Henry James and he throws Will Young Lee's cell phone into a fucking barrel. Well, He's like, hey, that was mine. Well, it's such a little thing, but I thought it was hilarious. To be fair, Trevor, phones at this time were virtually indestructible. Like, these these were pretty well-made phones. This is true. Um, unfortunately, like, throwing it in the barrel, yes, it could survive that. What it can't survive is redneck justice, uh, which is what we get. Uh, because this barrel gets shot uh, with a shotgun. 
yeah. because there's a couple people in this truck stop uh, that also saw the news report and they want to apprehend our heroes uh, at, at gunpoint. Oh, you mean the guys um, that were at the Capitol riot? Yeah, I recognize them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these two guys. Um, yeah, but Shane shows up and uh, through the power of John Woo style like gun fu choreography, uh, somehow she manages to disarm them um, and our heroes uh, get away scot-free mm-hmm. um but this is where i noticed like there, there's this one shot where it's just this tracking shot of our heroes uh after shane saves them from the rednecks of them exchanging the guns between each other and i swear these shotguns get thrown between like three four different people just in this one shot and i'm just like what is happening <laughs> Like it's just it's just like people throwing guns at each other. They keep catching them and throwing other. It's just like hot potato with guns to the point that it ends up in the hands of uh, Christina Milliam, uh, who le- is left behind at the gas station. It's it's utterly bizarre, and I'm I'm not doing a very good job of describing it. But like if you see it and you pay attention to it, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Um. Anyway, Ice Cube uh, rolls up on the gas station after they've left. Um. We get kind of a almost like a naked gun gag where like all these guns from all these different directions get pointed at Earl, the one of the guys at the truck stop. And it's, it's a weird visual gag. Like it's, I don't even know if it was supposed to be funny, but I found it funny. Um, and then we get a, a short chase scene on motorcycles as ice cube catches up to Ford and our heroes. Um, nothing of note happens during the scene other than the, uh, like even for me, who knows nothing about motorcycles, I noticed that the uh, the size of the tires on the motorcycles and just the general build of the motorcycles, I was like, oh, you you can't ride those in the desert like that. So they probably had to like modify them with like fatter wheels and probably like different weight distribution or something, so people you know don't die like going over hills and shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a nothing little chase that ends again with like maybe an unintentional visual gag where somehow. Ice Cube loses them in a featureless desert. <laughs> it's like he goes over a hill and somehow he loses them. And I noticed here, Kyle, this maybe this is a reference that you can appreciate because I know I make I make a lot of these and you don't get them. But the way that they escape Ice Cube is very similar to how uh, the hobbits escape the Nazgul, like hiding like in a little nook underneath them, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. The the first time that they they avoid the first the time, yeah. I was like, yeah. they, they try to avoid them a few times. Yeah, uh, they do that a lot. That's yeah. a thing that happens. <laughs> There's a lot of movies. It's not just one. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just, like, kind of hide, like, shh, shh. Like, they're just, like, right above us and, like, okay, let's go. And then they find a <laughs> fucking cave out of nowhere. They're just like, yeah, let's just drive over to this cave. Um, and this is where we get the call with McPherson. Um, he, uh, Ford, ends up calling McPherson to tell him, like, hey, Henry's the one that killed the dude and we can prove it. Um... And this, of course, we get... He's like, you know, if, if things are tough. And things are always fun when they're tough. So we're going to we're gonna drive all the way to L.A. to do, to, you know, like, to help, to, like, prove, prove us right and everything. Um, <laughs> uh, because it's the exchange is fucking stupid. Um, so this is where the, the line that I was shocked was in this. Um, but uh, in the end, the joke's on them. It says, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. And uh, what's-her-face goes, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, yeah, that's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. That line's worth about a billion dollars. Yeah, and counting. And counting. 
Actually, it might be two bills by now. <laughs> oh, I, I'm fairly certain it is. I mean, they have at minimum one more film to go as well. So, like, at I'm actually, I am, I, I'm, like, I am proud of them, man. Like, if they put if they put a ten on the poster, like, they have my utmost respect. Mm. Because, like, if you're gonna make a, a franchise as dumb and as loud and as over the top as that. Yeah, I mean, you gotta put the ten on there just to just to like wear it proudly as a badge of honor. That's like, motherfucker, we have asked you to come to the theater ten fucking times, eleven if you count Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> I feel like there was a way that we could bring Ingmar Bergman back from the dead and have him sit through one of those movies. He would just puke and then just die again. <laughs> It's like, you only have two hours left on this earth. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> I'm going to go watch Fast and Furious 10. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I will note here that uh, there's an intentional gag here where uh, Jay Hernandez confesses to uh, cutting Henry James's chain. He's like, oh, that was probably the murder weapon. And uh, we have this moment where like everyone else in the room says, how did you know that? Followed by, how did you know that? Followed by how did you know that like three times in a row like everyone in the room has to say it verbatim it's it's weirdly funny um and also we get uh some like christopher nolan logic here where i don't know if this is true i for you know like for for the love of physics i hope not um apparently the uh, the dents in a in a bike chain are akin to fingerprints and or ballistics uh, because for reasons that if we can get that chain back, like we can, and we can pair it to to Henry James's engine block on his bike, we can match them, and we can we can pin the murder on him because they'll have matched. It's like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of like a screenwriter projecting some kind of computer capability onto a, a computer in 1994. Like, oh, it is, it is very much a zoom and enhance. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is very much a zoom and enhance. Yeah, and I'm not talking Blade Runner. I'm talking like CSI shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we have a phone call to Adam Scott, and this is where I I start counting how many times Ford slams phones down, and mm-hmm. sure enough, this phone conversation ends with that too. <laughs> also, the FBI agents are driving in a Humvee. Again, product yes. placement. Humvees were very big at the time. Uh, very but, big. But they've their Humvee is like like uh, the NASA. It's like the NASA space station. Uh, the NASA NASA control room. Basically, it's like they've got all they've got fucking wires and shit going out the uh, out the top. Yeah, they've got a whole like a whole system. They're able to tap a phone. They're able to record a phone conversation via remote in this Humvee. Like it, but, it's it's a remarkable. It's the Batmobile. But there's so much stuff that you can't you can like you can only see their heads across like in in the middle. It's not like an armrest. It's like yeah, a, 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 like diminutive Adam Scott. Ha, he has his chair like pushed all the way up. Like, like he has to like reach over and like pull himself up onto this thing and talk. Yeah, he's like resting his arms on the dash. It's, like, it's huge. What is back there? Uh, but anyway, um, we have that line that Kyle had mentioned that is a direct call out to the Fast and Furious films. I, I think it is kind of funny, though, that this movie has a lot of that going on, but they share a producer, which is which is very strange to me. Like that that's him like 
I guess, banking on somebody biting from one franchise or the other. Clearly one of them won because this isn't a franchise. Um, anyway, Ice Cube, we cut back to him. And he thinks Ford is going through what he calls the Palms, which I thought was like Palm Springs or something. But no, it's literally a th- forest of palm trees. I thought the <laughs> same thing. I'm like, oh, they're going to go through Palm Springs. Like, nope, palm trees. No, it's literally just a random palm tree forest in the middle of the desert. Yeah, I do like how the 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 uh, the Reapers are just sitting there waiting on the side of the road. I thought it was going to be a gag where they're like looking down the road, thinking they're coming this way, and then they would come the other way. But no, um, yeah, <laughs> they end up chasing them, and then it turns it's just absolute chaos in these palm trees. Uh, it's it's very confusing. Um, again, kind of reminds me of the the Scorpion and Johnny Cage fight in uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, that hadn't occurred to me, but you're absolutely right. In that weird orchard or wherever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Bikes and trees, bikes on trains, bikes and trains. <laughs> those, that's my, those are my next notes. Next notes. Yeah, yeah, those are very important highlights. By the way, uh, Adam Scott is wearing a Sam and Twitch shirt here. Uh, he, there's a fun little cutaway gag where he, he tries to take off in hot pursuit, and then he's advised by his partner, who we haven't mentioned, uh, some lady. He has a lady partner. Some lady. Like, <laughs> I don't know who the fuck she nah, is, but he has exactly. a partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he he like hops into the Humvee and he's like, "Let's fucking go!" And she's like, "We have to pay for the gas." And he's like, "Oh, oh right, yeah, we're right." <laughs> yeah, I actually thought that was kind of that funny. Was decent, the timing yeah. on it was good. But he is wearing a Sam and Twitch shirt, which uh, the only reason I bring that up is because uh, Kyle and I have some appreciation for Spawn, mm. uh, Todd McFarlane's Spawn. <laughs> And uh, Sam and Twitch were the detective characters from the from the comic and the animated version of Spawn. Mm. Very deep cut. Uh, kind of a neat reference, though, if you're into that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, my notes uh, for this action sequence here begin simply with the word Reapers, because that is literally said on screen. Shane, I think, calls out Reapers. It's kind of like out of a sci-fi movie or something where it's like, hey, like, you mean like cyborgs or something? Oh no, it's 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 a gang of bikers who want our ass. Um, but yeah, we have this protracted action sequence. Uh, actually, kind of makes me think of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which is not something I enjoy thinking about. But um, it is utter chaos again, staged in a palm tree forest in the middle of the desert. I don't know if these exist. I've never seen them. Um, but yeah, we have bikes colliding with each other. We have people doing kickflips off of trees whilst mm-hmm. riding motorcycles. We have people using guns akimbo mm-hmm. because fucking hell yeah, that's what you do in the 2000s. We have seen Mission Impossible 2. Thank you very much. Uh, Shane has a one-on-one with a dude uh, the dude with the dual uh, revolvers uh, who she clobbers with a muffler um, and then has a catchphrase or a quip. I don't even remember what it was. I think it was like, don't pick on girls or some shit. It's, it's, it's the laziest of quips you could imagine. I wasn't But then we cut, to the, we cut to the train, though. Yeah. And this, was where, this was where the trailer shots started coming in, mm. where these, these shots on the, on the roof of the train, the CGI of, of the motorcycles on the roof of the train, were what I remember from the trailers for this movie uh, back in the day. Um, but yeah, uh, Ford and Ice Cube both. Uh, launch their motorcycles atop a moving train. Uh, they kind of have like a jousting match of sorts on the train. At one point, Ford slides his his motorcycle into the interior of the moving train and mm-hmm. just goes down the aisle. Uh, he doesn't maim or kill anyone while he's doing so. Um, but the the editing and the camera work here, as 
over the top and absolutely insane as it is and not especially like beautiful to look at from an ambition standpoint from a creativity standpoint this is really impressive stuff that from a storyboarding standpoint i have to appreciate because you know not everybody even has the ability to imagine attempting to do shots like this let alone actually doing it so again hats off to the the filmmaker um but yeah, my, my notes here at some point just devolve into ha 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 the editing <laughs> because it just gets so fucking nutty. Um, and I noted that, holy shit, the camera just went underground. Uh, we do the same effect that we saw earlier with the gun and the uh, invisible table wherein the camera is looking upward through an invisible surface. Uh, we do the exact same thing, but with the train track. So the camera using cgi animation like goes under the ground to look up and so we can see the the wooden board separating the the rails and whatnot uh, it does it more than once in fact and uh ford long story short uh ice cube takes spill on the train tracks and uh the train is barreling down on him and ford uh at, like saves him at varying speeds at this train varying speeds varying yeah. speeds there's like three different speeds this train is going depending on what shot you're looking at oh by the way kyle uh i'm not sure if your ears picked up on this amidst all the noise mine may have may have deceived me so i could be wrong but my ears told me that one of these shots of this train made a velociraptor noise <laughs> it's very possible <laughs> You know exactly which one I'm talking about. Pooh! Pooh! Not that one? Is it not that one? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, Ford saves Ice Cube, and uh, they have a standoff while, while like looking at each other in between the passing train cars, and a Ford uh, disappears. He Batmans out of the situation, and this is the this is the part where Shane finds him in the desert with her bike, and as we had mentioned, she offers up the driver's seat to him. He Batman's and it's impossible. Like it's literally it, it's impossible. It's a bare desert. Yeah. Like he has nowhere to go. Like I guess he could lay down and roll down the hill or something. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Maybe. <laughs> like if there's a slight decline in the in the elevation. I didn't understand this. So he gets the gun, but Ice Cube's on the side with the bike. I'm like, you've got the drop on him. You can explain this to him right now. Like, it's it's really strange, but instead, yeah, he just ghosts away, and uh, he gets on his girlfriend's bike, and he drives away. Fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> but I do like this next scene where Trey is talking to, I think, Sonny, and he's just like, I don't know why he didn't do anything. Like, he could have killed me. I'm so confused. Like, he's just he's just really <laughs> baffled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That that is that's why I have my nose. That's pretty like, funny. Like I don't get what just happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm really. It's like it just doesn't compute. Where he's like, I wouldn't have done that. That there's no possible way anybody could be that generous or selfless. He's like more pissed off because of it. Uh, it would be it would be hilarious if they just like have him like pause, like his face goes dead and just like mouth hangs open. You just hear like a dial up noise or something. <laughs> it's just like. It just does not come er, at all. Er, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now we get to like a truck stop, and one of I think this might be my favorite uh, scene in the movie. Jay Hernandez eating Doritos, product placement, in the rain. Not yeah. He's yeah. you. You are you are losing precious flavor crystals if you are eating Doritos out in the rain. It's just washing right off. 
Yeah, soggy Doritos are not happy Doritos. Dude, I've never had... Absolutely not. I wouldn't... T- like, if I, like, had, like, a plate and I had, like, my hot dog and, like, a side of chips and I just spilled a little Coke on my chips, those chips are trash, bro. Those are not going in my mouth. And he is just eating wet Doritos. Pretty crazy. It, one of the craziest things I've seen in film, honestly. No, that, that should not be done. It's very poor form, and you're absolutely right. Doritos got paid. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Um, but yeah, this truck stop, uh, Doritos uh, earns their ad revenue here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ford, I think, makes another phone call. Uh, he decides to set up a meeting with Henry James in L.A. And uh, somehow we load both ourselves bodily and our motorcycles, plural, into the back of a freight truck. I don't know how this is meant. How... How was this done? <laughs> I, I thought I missed something. I'm just like, oh, there must have been. We must have missed some kind of conversation with a trucker or something because there is a car in the back of this trailer. They just get their bikes on there, and I'm like, uh, I, it, it's fine. It makes it makes sense, but I'm like, how how did the we're missing? We got A to C. Where's B? Yeah, you can't do that, man. Like you, you can't you can't jump like that. It, it it's baffling because it's like one. It's it's a minor miracle that there was enough room in there to fit all of them. Uh, two, how did they lift the bikes up into the back? <laughs> bikes are kind of heavy, you know. They're kind of heavy, Kyle. Yeah. They're they're a little bit heavy, but um, yeah. Also, Sobe uh, got paid. I'm not sure uh, if that's also the Pepsi Corporation. They should have kept their money because I don't think they exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, but 2004, man, like they were hot shit, man. My like, brother, I, I remember. Nick was the Sobe guy. I preferred uh, Snapple. Snapple had some like some offshoots. They had some other things. And Fruitopia. No, I'm sorry. It was opposite. I was the Sobe guy. He was the Fruitopia guy. That's what it was. Okay, let's get it right. Kyle. Yeah, let's get it right. Um, yeah. I like the uh, the. I called it banana beer uh, Snapple. It's just like some kind of banana drink that had a little monkey dude on it. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I think I ha- I think I had that one. Yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, uh, we get pulled over and nothing happens. Yeah. <laughs> like literally nothing happens. Yeah. It's a tensionless scene where basically uh, one of the good old boy cops uh, waves through the freight truck because he recognizes the driver as like a local ra- race car driver or something. So he's like, ah, you don't need to open up his trailer. We know him. Um, and then we cut to one of the most absurd settings that I never would have expected to be in this film. So we're in a park. And it's Henry James and oh, his yeah. white supremacist goons hanging out at a public park. And there are bubbles and balloons and children all over the place. And the one dude just starts laying into a vending machine with, like, a bike chain or some shit. A vending machine from the 1940s? There's fucking Abba Zabba's in there. They st- I don't even <laughs> think they make Abba Zabba's anymore. You can still buy them because they don't expire. And they're made, they're made in the 60s, basically. But yeah. <laughs> He robs this thing for Abba Zabba and some other shitty candy. There was I didn't even see a Reese's in there. Did you see a Reese's in there? I didn't even see a Reese's in there. I did not. They they didn't get they didn't get a slice of the the ad money for this movie. I'm not committing theft for a goddamn Abba Zabba. A Reese's or a <laughs> Snickers maybe. Yeah. Or even you know what? Even a Baby Ruth. I might pull like hold somebody at knife point, but not for an Abba Zabba. Nah, fuck that shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matt Schultz, or uh, Henry James, uh, he threatens to choke slam one of his goons. Oh, no, he does. Uh, he fucking, he, yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, he straight up canes his ass. I was going to say he canes his ass. <laughs> you just need Paul Bearer in the back of the group just going, oh, yeah. 
yeah, he straight up choke slams one of his underlings. Mm-hmm. And then we get, uh, I guess I should have expected this, another cameo. Yet another cameo, Kyle. And would you care to share with the folks at home who I'm alluding to here? Yeah, the uh, comedian, former comedian, <laughs> uh, Dane Cook. Now, I will defend Dane Cook to an extent. Um I don't think that his stand-up aged very well. I liked it when I was younger because I was a pothead um, and I'm stupid. So I thought his I thought his stand-up was funny. But as I got older, I'm like, oh, he's bad. Like, he's not very good. However, I think that he's a very funny comedic actor. It's not so hmm. much in this film, but he does have movies where, like, Employee of the Month, he's pretty good. My Best Friend's uh, Girl, I think, is pretty good. Uh, and then the one where he has to bang a bunch of chicks. Uh <laughs> Like, he's funny. He, like he, he's a funny comedic actor, but yeah, I just don't think his stand is very good. But this is bad. His little cameo in here is stupid. Yeah, it it it's totally just nothing. It's a fart in the wind. Um, Dane Cook means nothing to me oh, personally. I'm sorry. I think his I think his best though is waiting. He is fucking hilarious in waiting. I will give him that. Um, I did I did think he was quite good in that. And that movie all around, I think, is a solid film. I. <laughs> it has a sequel i, I don't know if that's that. <laughs> yeah i i don't have any time for that but i i, I kind of enjoyed waiting maybe the homophobic slurs don't age very well but uh it probably doesn't hold up by today's standards but like at the time oh <laughs> uh, oh gosh what's his name boogie nights uh uh luis guzman luis guzman is yeah. very funny in that as well oh, um, he's 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 a joy in everything he's in and like, unfortunately, he got to a certain point in his career where he was saying yes to everything that came across the table. But he is usually just fine in everything he's in. But yeah, Dane Cook, to me, he doesn't really mean anything. I don't even think I've ever seen his stand up, although fine. I was introduced to him. So there was an attempt at an introduction uh, my first year of college, That sounds about uh, right. which would have been 2005. Uh, where one of my roommates, who is a super computer nerd, uh, <laughs> tried to tried to tell me that Dane Cook was the you know God's gift to comedy, and he was, I was like, why? <laughs> and he was like, well, yeah, he's got like swords and he's loud and really energetic. I was like, yeah, I don't get it, buddy. <laughs> Go enjoy whatever computer games were relevant in two thousand five. Uh, yeah. Probably like Half-Life 2 or something, I would imagine. See, I thought he was funny, but then I got introduced to Cat Williams and Louis C.K., who were... Louis C.K. was much better, but Cat Williams at the time, my God, too funny. He was way too, it, was too, it was painful how funny his stand-up was. It, it really hurt. Yeah, I'd, I'd seen some of his stuff. He's pretty remarkable. I also liked uh, Eddie Griffin. Like, he, he had a couple of shows. Not his, his longevity absolutely wasn't there, but he had one or two specials that were pretty great see same thing as dane cook i don't really care for eddie griffin as a stand-up comedian comedic actor very much oh yeah i actually really like undercover brother (laughs) i really do i I really enjoy that movie i was thinking that i was actually thinking about that movie a couple days ago uh popped in there somehow um Mm, i want to watch that so kyle's gonna (laughs) kyle's gonna go watch mortal Kombat, and i'm gonna go watch undercover brother wow you can see classy night Uh, uh, yeah. they, they punched Dane Cook. Uh, long story yeah. Short. Why would they he agree? Is not, he is not funny, so they hit him. Yeah. So he asked them. He's like, "Hey, can I get a picture of you guys? Like you're like real bikers." And they agree to it, which is crazy. I figured he would punch him immediately, but he gives him the setup. It poses for a picture, like almost like begrudgingly, like his mother had asked him <laughs> to take a picture, and then he just lays him out. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, they pose yeah. in front of the water and everything. And it's not until after the photo is taken that he punches him in the face and, uh, and steals his camera. They pose like it's American Gothic, but yeah, they still pose. <laughs> uh, anyway, we cut back to our heroes and they're pulled over again. Oh, yeah. But this time, uh, something happens. And I, I did like that Adam Scott does actually have uh, a call out to the absurdity of them hiding in the freight uh, truck. Because he like as he's coming up to the car, he actually like says you can hear it clear as day on the audio drag. Just like, geez, this thing's long. <laughs> Trevor, how many seconds did it take you to realize what this scene was going to be? For me, it was as soon as I realized they were in the back of a truck. I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen later. This no time whatsoever, especially because we we just so happened to be pulled over on the highway. At the exact same stretch of road where in uh in Transformers, the Michael Bay Transformers film, the bus gets blown up. It's like, yeah, no, th- this is a part of the highway in California that gets used for exactly this sort of thing. A bus blows up in that movie? Yeah, it's a really famous shot, actually, where they, they literally blew a bus in half and then they inserted the, the, the Decepticon animation to like make it look like the robot sliced it in half. Um, yeah, there's there's like a highway battle sequence. Oh. Um, I, I think I think the finale of that one takes place in San Francisco. Dude. I, th- I must have dumped those movies immediately, just whew, right out. I I still maintain that the first one's all right. Uh, it has some, it like has some dignity, but my God, those sequels are just. Mm. Mm. <laughs> they, I, me and my brother, like me and Matt, we 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 do go see them, and they do have a new one in the pipe right now. That's actually like. It's it's like calling out to me, telling me that I'm old. Because as far as I, no, I'm, like you need to hear this, Kyle. So, Transformers has you know Gen Gen One, they call it the the OG Transformers with Optimus Prime and Bumblebee and Ironhide, all those guys. Um, and then in the '90s, in the mid '90s, they had a show called Beast Wars. Did did you ever watch Beast Wars, Kyle? No. Okay, well, it was just really shitty CGI animated Transformers, except for instead of cars, they turned into aminals. Aminals, that's right. Um, so what what I'm getting at here is this new Transformers film, that, which is not directed by Michael Bay, as far as I recall, um, centers around the Beast Wars characters, which means we're now attacking that generation of fan. Like, we've moved 10 years down the, the line to the point that it's like, oh, shit. Like they're they're attacking my childhood, not necessarily my my older brother's childhood. Now it's like, oh shit! Like in a couple more years, they're gonna be done with me. Oh no! It's a weird it's a weird feeling knowing that the the pop culture slash nostalgia wave is is crossing past you. Not that I give a shit. <laughs> I'll know when I'm old when they're like, we're gonna do the Lord of the Rings over again. I'm like, god damn! Don't wow. touch it. Don't I- don't touch it. It's gonna happen, buddy. I know. They'll, they'll try <laughs> it's to do happen. it. happen. Don't touch it. <laughs> it's evil. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, but yeah, uh, as Kyle had said, um, you'd be a complete fucking idiot, <laughs> or, or you have never ever seen an action film if you didn't know what was gonna happen to the back of this truck when they open it. They even um, set. They even <laughs> set up like he opens up the back of the truck and he's like, "What the hell?" And it's like. Two boxes with, like, a beer on it. it. It's, like, this little setup. It's like, oh, they're going to blast through this box and make it look cooler. 
I mean, to completely exhaust my allotment of wrestling references per episode, Mm -hmm. um, this is the equivalent of seeing a convenient stack of cardboard boxes off the edge of the stage (laughs) at a wrestling event. It's like, huh, I wonder if anyone's going to fall on that. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I was just thinking, there's a really funny gift of of John Cena on, like, uh, there's somebody, like, writhing in, quote-unquote, pain in the uh, squared circle, and... He is down on the on the ground, and he's uh, there's like a present, there's like a box, and he opens up. He's like, I should open up the box, like talking to people in the crowd, and he like gives them a look, and he looks into the box and pulls out a chair. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Oh yeah, no, I I remember that actually. I forget who he was wrestling against, but I I actually remember seeing that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll I'll try my best not to make any more wrestling <laughs> references. Have you watched Peacemaker yet? I have not. Oh, it's that's your most that's your priority is is you need to be getting to Peacemaker seriously. Okay, it's driving me You're nuts right here, folks. I, I I need to watch Peacemaker so I can talk about Peacemaker with Kyle. Yes, very much. Okay, I, I'm on it. Yes, sir. Uh, so uh, we we burst out of the back of this truck while riding in the stock car that was loaded up into it. Uh, oh yeah, we also still have our bikes. Yeah. Uh, so our our. Uh, our non-breeding pair, uh, they are assigned to the bikes. Our breeding pair is in the car, in the stock car that they stole, by the way. Stole, Kyle. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's not good, kids. Don't do that. No. Nope. Um, and Ice Cube just happens to show up just right on time. Yeah. Like, in, in time, lockstep with them bursting out of the back of this truck, independent of the FBI and the cops. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he has to pause. He has to stop in front of one of the cars to, to say... What you what you get Ice Cube to say in any movie you're gonna put him in, fuck the police. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> His delivery is really good too. Uh, yeah. It really he puts he puts a lot of snap on that fuck. <laughs> I feel like like that's the kind of line where uh, an actor is like an actor or a performer is calling back to something they did in the past, and they'd be like, I don't wanna I don't wanna do that. I feel like he's like absolutely yeah. I'm very proud of that. Uh, of that time in my life and i'm more than happy to do that for you now fuck the police (laughs) (laughs) and i like adam adam scott's reaction to it too he's like was that a threat he's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna count that as a threat (laughs) so he like gets in his humvee and gives chase and yeah uh cue cue the chase uh and we have this completely insane stunt that looks like it was actually done live which you know Again, not something they needed to do, um, but holy shit, uh, the the industry insiders—that is, like the other, like people in the stunt community—probably saw this. And there's a reason this movie, I think, won an award for its stunt work because there is some pretty incredible stuff deeply embedded in it. If you can get past the absurdity of a lot of it, so basically, we have a scenario here where Wait, we're trading sorry. drivers. Uh, Wait, in order to get a stunt, in order to get uh, a stunt award, do seven out of ten. Uh, stunt performers judging it. Did their assholes have to be like super tight, like the whole time? It's like, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, my butthole was it was it was tiny the whole time. Ah, oh, shit. Maybe you can help me find this reference because I I know it's a reference, but I don't know where from. Uh, Pucker Factor. 
Pucker Factor. <laughs> Never Pucker heard Factor. that, but yeah. That, God <laughs> damn it! I, I know, I know, it's a reference to something, but I, I don't remember where from. But it's, yeah, oh, it's Pucker Factor. I, I'm gonna look it up, but I'm gonna use that. Oh, the Pucker Factor's through the roof on this. Through the yeah, roof. Yeah, no, it, I, I, I forget where it's from, but yes, absolutely, the Pucker Factor. That's like, good. The Pucker, like yes, your your asshole has to has to clench this tight for this stunt to be accepted into the community as Hall of Fame worthy. I'm on it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, this stunt that I'm describing here is basically we have this the stock car that. that <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my quick my quick my quick search is a Wikipedia entry that says "pucker factor" oh, no. is a military slang phrase used to describe the level of stress and or adrenaline response to danger or a crisis situation. The term refers to the tightening of the sphincter caused by extreme <laughs> fear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it from military jargon. I got it from a fucking movie. I know okay. that for sure. But oh. I'm not. I'm not surprised at all, though, that it's a military thing. I'm gonna guess Jarhead or Generation Kill. It was something f- funny. It wasn't something. It, it, I mean, Jarhead actually is. I don't know if it's intended to be funny, but it does have its funny parts. It too. does like, have its it, funny parts. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's. It, you, folks, if you've seen the movie, you know what we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. um, but um. God damn, it's gonna that's gonna haunt my dreams. But anyway, the stunt that I keep trying to explain Sorry. is our heroes, our breeding pair, are in this stock car on the freeway, and Ford says, like, I gotta do the hero thing and I gotta like call them off your trail because you're my gal and you're not allowed to drive. <laughs> so I'm gonna get another dude to take the wheel for me so I can take off on one of my bikes. So he calls over Jay Hernandez, like as they're speeding down the highway. And he switches he switches seats with Jay Hernandez. So these stunt people had to climb out of a, of two moving vehicles, one a bike, one a car, and switch spots. So the one so he like climbs up onto the roof and Jay Hernandez jumps into the driver's seat and then he hops onto the bike. It's absolutely insane. It's it's kind of a shame that things like this, unless you dissect it and take the time to appreciate the logistics of it. Like it's just kind of blink and you'll miss it. Like it, especially these days where CGI and stuff is so rampant, and we take for granted like the real danger involved in a lot of these things. Like this is a truly incredible stunt that like earned my earned my applause. But you know, it I could totally see people just like having their eyes roll back in their head and just not even notice like how cool it was. But anyway, that that happened. Uh, Adam Scott crashes, by the way. Uh, for, um, <laughs> but before before we get to that, we get um, Ford headbutting his way through roadblocks, which is yes, a, he does it twice, at least twice. He juggernauts through, like he puts his head down and like goes through the. Gl- <laughs> oh. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. Like, he's dead. <laughs> He, that would yeah, kill so, you. so what what Kyle's referring to here is he, he once when he's on the bike, there's there are roadblocks, yeah, like structures in place on the freeway that he plows through, and the wood shatters, like it completely explodes. And the way the way he does it without a helmet, mind you, he just puts his head down, and the they easily could have adjusted the prop to like change the height of it so only the bike hit the wood or something but no they like have it positioned so his fucking forehead (laughs) hits this plank of wood and by the way it shatters and it goes flying and it goes through adam scott's windshield yeah at speed yeah it's it's utterly insane uh yeah so the i think i kind of giggled at this was the hummer crashing uh but yeah it crushes onto dane cook's car um and 
there's a really cool in concept not uh, not especially in execution but in concept this is really cool and something that i wouldn't be surprised if it's emulated at at, at times in other films where we're zooming across multiple lanes of the freeway to follow the chase and the camera very deliberately goes through like the windows of cars that are separating us from the action and the audio track actually adjusts in kind so we actually hear random dialogue from people like random passerbys and it's like some dad yelling at his kids in the back seat <laughs> it's pretty remarkable and also uh, the usage of like CGI cars uh, to heighten the danger is very, very similar to uh, The Matrix Reloaded, uh, which came out only like a, a short year or two before this film. Um, really interesting the way they implemented that in that film and in this one, where that's a very interesting use of CGI for an action film, where it's it's one of those instances where you only really notice it if you're looking for it, where it's like, even today, there's so much blur and there's so much movement involved in the, the shots that it's actually still kind of hard to spot sometimes. Uh, it's really, really interesting use of the technology. It's like, in some ways, it's almost like a proper use of the technology where it's like, it's there, big as life and twice as ugly, center frame, but you, you really don't notice it because of the way it's applied with such care. Um, but yeah, the Hummer, uh, Adam Scott's Hummer goes a flipping and it falls onto Dane Cook's car uh, because we need to shit on dane cook some more i don't i don't mind <laughs> uh ice cube and ford uh they get into a fist fight uh so ice cube does like a, a tactical roll with his motorcycle he like slides it in front of ford's bike to cause him to fall off of his bike uh and then they just start scrapping with each other and it's a really really clumsy fist fight like it's very poorly choreographed it's not especially well shot it's kind of shocking how uncreative some of the shots are here <laughs> Uh, and then we have a standoff situation where Ford is holding up Cube uh, at gunpoint, and uh, he tells him, I'd kill your brother. And uh, instead of saying, I don't care, he, he's like, oh, cool, I believe you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that and was now, easy. And now we're going to join forces. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah, it, I mean, it's, I mean, very similar to like a Fast and Furious or a, or a Marvel movie or something where it's like, well, we hit each other for a while, but now we realize we have a common foe, so now we can team up to yeah. face the greater evil. Um, um, oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Now we uh, we split up a little bit. Ice Cube and uh, Ford go to a hideout, and then the other three uh, go to another hideout. And this is where we get introduced to the motorcycle that can go from zero to a hundred in less than ten seconds. Yes, the Y two K, the fastest bike in the world, as they say. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll take your word for that. Um, by the way, uh, we go to Jay Hernandez's apartment for a while, which is one of the most 2000s apartments I think I've ever seen on film. I thought it was a garage Just, because he's got like a fucking car. He's got like car seats in his car seats in the room. He's got car seats, the color palette, everything Everything about the interior design of this is like straight out of like a, a Charlie's Angels or a... Uh, Josie and the Pussycats or, or it's like anything from this era like it's very the color palette is out of control and uh, I'm sorry Kyle you know we like we couldn't get away from it uh, try as we might um, we do have a combat sports athlete cameo God in this damn film. it <laughs> so close who I is won't it? go in I won't go in no, no, was it the was it the fight that was going on in the background? Yeah, well, I, I knew so, you were gonna bring that up. 
but i, I mean yeah, I, ha- I have to because this one's actually special to me all right um I'm not going to go into as much detail as I did Kung Lee because this isn't a cast member. Okay. Um, but I I know, Kyle, I know you're bummed, but just bear with me for go just for a it, second. Yeah. By the way, HBO got paid. Uh, so we have yet another sponsorship yeah. because this footage is from an HBO telecast. Like they need more uh, so, money. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, basically we have the setup here where Jay Hernandez is working over a heavy bag. My God, my God, this, this man needed to be taught some measure of form because he is not... He is not looking good on camera hitting this heavy bag. Like, no, no, it's terrible. Um, he orders a pizza because, as he says, when he gets nervous or anxious, he's, he's got to eat. So he orders a pizza, and then, surprise, surprise, uh, the pizza delivery man at the door also has a bunch of white supremacists with him yeah. uh, who, who kidnap all of our heroes who are not named Ford. Um, but in the midst of all this, instead of showing Jay Hernandez get like decked on the chin to get knocked out or whatever we cut to tell like the tv that they have on in the room and it's an hbo telecast of arturo Gotti versus wilson rodriguez uh which was i believe the fight of the year that year and uh the main reason i just want to highlight this for a second is that arturo Gotti, especially at this point in time in 2004 was like my my hero like he not not like hero but like in terms of like boxers that i was actively invested in and following i mean not not an especially good guy uh but very troubled guy as far as i understand but in terms of like in like action fights good fucking god like there's a reason his nickname was the blood and guts warrior um his like the the running gag was if he's coming down the ramp like as he's walking down to the ring he's probably already bleeding <laughs> because he was just that kind of guy but this fight was absolutely incredible uh arturo Gotti was a he was a joy to watch he was kind of the guy who got me into the sport like as like as invested in it as i am today um unfortunately i believe he was murdered uh by his wife um it's it's an ongoing thing where he w- it was in Brazil um, and they're not able to extradite her for questioning apparently and there's a lot of people that think that she and some gangster types uh, murdered him because the con- like the logistics of it were highly controversial. <laughs> it's like hmm, but anyway, uh, Gotti Arturo Gotti he was kind of a big deal to me in 2004. Um, Anyway, uh, we have a, we have more, we have like two or three different shots of disembodied hands punching people. By the way, <laughs> which is another ha 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 moment for me. So basically, what we're trying to show here is that Trey and Ford have like guards posted out front the garage that they're hanging out in, um, and uh, Henry James and his goons are like taking them out of the equation. So it's like there's no help on the way for them. Um, yeah, we get introduced to the fastest bike in the world, and then Adam Scott shows up. Um, and surprise, surprise, it turns out he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's kind of been an asshole throughout the entire film, but it's it's here that it's revealed that he is working with Henry James, um, and he blasts his partner. Uh, good God, this this wire gag, this woman goes fucking flying. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, she, it's kind of crazy. Like it comes, It's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, she, I don't know where he shoots her at, but I thought, because it happened so quickly, I thought he blew her head off when he shot her. Yeah, no, when she when she gets up later, spoil alert. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 she, no, no. <laughs> like, she goes fucking flying across the room. It's pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. But uh, Henry James shows up very shortly thereafter, and uh, he also has uh, all the other heroes captive, 
Uh, so that's Jay Hernandez, Will Young Lee, and uh, Monet Mazur, uh, or Mazur. Um, and in the midst of their dialogue, uh, this is where Adam Scott's partner is revealed to be alive. Uh, she, she has a bulletproof vest, I guess, um, that protects from being flung 30 feet across the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like calls for backup, which uh, causes a fight to break out. Um, so everybody's like everybody like finds a dance partner and starts swinging. Um, the creepy looking guy that with the chain, uh, he goes at it with our our lesser heroes. So like our minority our mi- minority supporting yeah, cast, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it takes both of them plus uh, Shane to take him down. Um, and there's some there's some truly hilarious bits of choreography here. Uh, where an ice cube rams someone with a motorcycle and then they're hanging off the front of the bike and he's he proceeds to start punching them in the fucking face as they're hang like as they're hanging over the side of the bike Uh, it's pretty great uh henry james gets his arm set on fire and he he pays it no mind whatsoever like he does not sell it at all he's just like oh my arm's on fire I'll, i'll take care of it later I need to choke slam a bitch first. <laughs> um, and then uh, the the creepy dude with the chain, uh, he gets hung to death, Kyle. And uh, Ice Cube draws a tent. Yes, he does. I was not watching. Uh, oh, I mean, I don't blame you. It's kind of it's kind of turning into a fucking mess at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he, as I said, is wielding a chain, and uh, through some shenanigans, he gets hung from the ceiling. Mm. And uh, Ice Cube has a quip here. Uh, about i think he says it like it's ironic isn't it or something that's like you know white guy hanging oh I, yeah okay. yeah oh, yeah that's dark yeah. <laughs> that's really I don't that's think, really dark I don't think we it's only okay it's 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 only okay because ice cube said it honestly. yeah i don't think we i don't think we needed that here but uh yeah that, no the, no this yeah i've got this chalked under so i have working with henry stuff happens partner is alive she blows up mcpherson that's this chain of events for me yeah adam scott gets blowed up uh because by the way the the meth filled uh motorcycles are in the garage with them uh ford has rigged them with explosives in case shenanigans like this happen and uh adam scott's partner intentionally detonates them as he's standing next to them she pulls the vasquez she's even like you're a fucking asshole and then i'm like she's blowing her you're going to blow yourself up for this? Like, it very clearly, they told us in the film that she blows herself up with him. Damn fine police work. <laughs> wow. She comes back at the end, by the way. She she's does, alive. yeah. But she's supposed to have, um, like, she needs to have, like, a two-faced burn on the side of her face. Because she was yeah, in she that needs explosion. she to be horribly made. Like, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> damn hey. fine police work. Yeah. Um, by the way, I, I want to say that there is an explicit reference to uh, Mission Impossible 2, which came out, I believe, in the year 2000 on the nose. Um, and also Charlie's Angels, which I, I should have been talking about throughout this entire film, just because from an aesthetic standpoint, it, the McG films do bear a very, very strong resemblance to this film. Also, they're... <laughs> their respect or lack thereof for the the laws of physics are very similar as well um but what i'm getting at here is uh ford hops on the y2k the the fastest bike in the world yeah and uh he puts on a pair of sunglasses very similar to tom cruise in mission impossible 2 and not only that as he's like burning out uh to take out like to take off through the garage uh some doves just happen to scatter which for a visual flare 
is is a just a thing like that that could just be a thing just because it looks cool but generally doves are associated with john woo Mm -hmm. like it's just it's accepted that that's kind of his um so i wouldn't be surprised if if that was an explicit reference considering the sheer volume of uh motorcycle stunts in mission impossible 2 um kyle we talked about we talked at length about the music cue the music cue in this film we have now reached the time where we can talk about it in proper would you care to share with the folks at home yes so this scene and its musical accompaniment so jamie presley's character and shane are gonna have a bicycle jousting fight more or less uh under a under a bridge uh with very little room uh they one is uh on the side of a pepsi sign a huge huge pepsi sign full frame (laughs) uh and then the other one is a, a mountain dew sign so we've got pepsi versus mountain dew which i mean mountain dew is a pepsi product so they're doubled down on their product placement <laughs> but over this scene it's about two and a half to three minutes long of them fighting is the song by static x and this was the one that i was talking about as being one of the greatest new metal songs um i realized something about actually went i started listening to this album that this is on wisconsin death trip they actually throw a bit there's quite a bit of techno uh beats going on in the background of their songs so you might actually want to check them out you might actually have some fun with some of their stuff uh but yeah this song rocks and anybody who says it doesn't rock is stupid because this, this song is awesome and it's the perfect song to go with this type of movie i wish they would have put it in a different spot though no this this as soon as this track kicked in i was like holy shit like kyle may have rated this film as zero up until now mm-hmm. but this at least earns it a one you got a one. Like you got a one it, for using this. This at least earns it a one because I I knew I knew you appreciated this song in particular. I was like, yeah, yeah. Kyle Kyle's gonna get a rise out of this, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I was delighted to find this in here because I didn't know it was coming. Like I I had seen clips of this sequence before. Again, I think they were in the trailers, but I didn't know about the music cue, and I was like, fucking shit, yes. <laughs> Pretty cool music video too, folks. Check it out. I think that's how I learned about it, was I think you sent me that yeah. a long time ago. Yeah. Um, maybe you can help me with the history here. I, I'm I'm uh, struggling to remember my time frame, but great taste, less filling, Kyle. Does that mean anything to you? Great taste, less filling. That does. That sounds so familiar. Great taste, less There was an ad campaign in the 2000s wherein it was two women uh, getting into a fight over that slogan and then, like, tackling each other into a, a fountain or something mm. it was a really big deal such that those those models actually were at wrestlemania that year oh really um i forget what year it was though and i'm trying to figure i'm i'm trying to do it like a chicken and egg kind of thing here because it's like it's making me it's giving me that vibe that i don't know who did it first um but definitely the 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 positioning of the mountain dew and the pepsi signs is very deliberate and and absolutely hysterical um, the, the choreography of this whole sequence is absolutely hysterical. This is where the movie actually does 
uh, veer into like Bollywood territory because there there is no respect for the laws of physics during this sequence. We are we are using bikes as as appendages. Like we are doing spins on bikes to try to kick each other with our rear tires. Like we are doing crazy kick flips off of bikes. We are essentially riding up and down the same lane over and over and over again mm-hmm. because we just do not have the real estate to to do anything more complex than that. Um, but long story short, uh, Jamie Presley at one point busts out her butterfly knife, which she's done at multiple points in the film, um, and she is de- she is defeated via a backflip off of a motorcycle. Where it's almost like like did she did she get kicked in the face or did she get like bump, butt bumped in the face? I couldn't quite tell. Uh, either or, I'm not really sure. Point is, Shane's nether regions collide with Jamie Presley's face, and she goes flying in, in through the windshield of a nearby car. Yeah, and that's how the fight is concluded. Uh, absolutely incredible, a like top tier cinema. <laughs> yeah, and then we get to followed by even topper tier cinema. <laughs> the craziest chase sequence in the history of cinema. It is this, insane. They this, are at. This. They are traveling at the speed of light. <laughs> This is this is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like folks at home, if you if you if you have the time, if you have the will, if you have the dedication, like you owe it to yourself to just look up the finale of Torque cuz good fucking god this 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 is absolute insanity and I kind of love it. It reminds me of Speed um, but- <laughs> it reminds me of Speed Racer for some reason. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Actually very very close. Um yeah, the Wachowski Speed Racer film has a lot of really audacious elements to it. it has an insane color palette the the camera positioning the editing it actually does bear a strong resemblance also the uh, like absolute insanity of the blur effect as yeah. they're speeding down the road very similar to to speed racer although not as well executed <laughs> um, but but holy shit basically it's a high speed pursuit of ford chasing henry james down a busy city street and they're going so fucking fast. The background is just a mess of color streaks going past them. Henry James is doing pinpoint accurate gunfire at like while facing backwards, mind you. I'll say for argument's sake, they're going 160 miles an hour. I think easily 160, okay? That's on the lower end of what they're supposed to be going in this scene. Not only is he shooting, he is turned around while weaving through traffic now this isn't like while weaving through traffic this isn't you know the dark night where you know we've cleared the streets of chicago to do this scene like to do this sequence like there are cars and they're weaving through traffic in downtown la which i don't know how how long downtown la is i don't know how long this stretch of road is but it's infinite in this scene <laughs> It's pretty crazy. I need, I need to I need to give some highlights because there are so fucking many in such rapid succession. So Henry James sees the Y2K barreling down at him at like 200 miles an hour. He's like, oh, shit, I got to go faster than that. So he hits the Nas button on his chopper because Henry James is the bad guy. So he drives a chopper. Yeah, because that's what motorcycles need is to go even faster than they even already do. Even fucking faster. <laughs> so he hits the Nas button. 
and we get a reprise of the the quote Nas shot. Yeah, it goes it goes through the the engine block and like we see fire and fireworks blowing up. But then it, it, it takes a sharp left turn out of nowhere where it goes through the engine block and up through his nervous system <laughs> and we end up in, in his brain. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we see neurons firing. Yeah. Like it's fucking X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's the opening of X-Men. Exactly, yeah. It's the opening of X-Men or yeah. Spider-Man. It's literally that. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so the camera rips itself out of the back of his head we cut to Ford chasing him again at 200 fucking miles an hour at Mach fucking 5. And then we have all sorts of bullet cam effects where Henry James is shooting bullets and we get to and follow the bullets and they bounce off of the Y2K bike and it causes a gas leak. The gas gets ignited by the sparks of the bullets bouncing off of the bike because Henry James is that fucking accurate at speed. And so the gas streak, the, the gas flowing out of the Y2K bike, out of Ford's bike actually ignites but he's going so he's like what do i do there's only one solution i have to go even fucking fast even faster (laughs) so he is going he is driving so fucking fast that this trail of gas that's flowing out of the back of the vehicle is burning and chasing him but it's not going fast enough to actually reach the gas tank so he doesn't explode so he's out running the fucking fire and then I'm sorry, I, I tried to promise you no further wrestling references, Kyle, but this movie does conclude on a wrestling move, so I need I need to do it. So the conclusion of our chase sequence... By the way, the score of this film is done by Trevor Rabin, uh, who I know as the composer of Deep Blue Sea and uh, The One, the Jet Li film The One, uh, as well as I think he worked on the score for Con Air. He has a vibe. I think he was like a guitarist and some con- like band like of the 90s or the 80s or something i forget which one but anyway his his score is going absolute batshit crazy during this whole sequence it's it, it's getting like downright orchestral it's like this is some symphonic rock shit going on anyway ford goes off of a ramp and he on his motorcycle on his flaming motorcycle by the way because the gas chasing him does a shooting star press off of the motorcycle and conveniently lands on top of Henry James. <laughs> his bike mashes on top of Henry James and his chopper, and he slides on him like a like a surfboard for a good city block. And then he flips off of the bike, the bikes plural, just in time for them both to explode because the gas caught up to him, and he flies away from the explosion. So he does a fucking shooting star press on a motorcycle onto another moving motorcycle which causes an explosion that blows up roughly a city block. Uh, no civilians harmed, by the way. And that is how Henry James is defeated. See, they, there was a real missed opportunity here to, because of how fast they're going, you could have had uh, Henry James slam into something and then just like, <laughs> just, just, com- and almost pieces and where you can like walk up on him and he's just like, like, like having like that last, and just have him die just have him like just all kinds of practical effects just have him all disgusting like in pieces like really drive the point home that driving fast on motorcycles is really fucking dangerous you know this movie could have done with a PSA like just a slide 
just before the credits or just before the movie saying like driving real fucking fast is dangerous wear a helmet <laughs> motorcycles <Drink> mountain dew <laughs> motorcycles are crazy dangerous you shouldn't drive them at all but also if you're going to drive them don't go 200 miles an hour you'll fucking die <laughs> <laughs> if you gotta ride your cock rocket real fast Drink Mountain Dew. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Those things go together. Uh, I don't know uh, how this movie ends, but I can tell you what song or what band uh, gives us our closing credits. We'll, we'll get there in one second, yeah. Kyle, because everybody listening right now already knows. Like, they, they know. I'm but, shocked but it took we'll, this long for them to come in. I know. I know. They have multiple songs listed on the credits, but this was the first one I noticed. Me too. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, I was expecting it. Like again, very similar Shocked. to the Kid Rock thing. I was just like, "It's, it, I know it's here. Just, just give it to me. Just mm-hmm. give it to me." And it's like, ah, there it is. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I'm not happy. Like, I'm genuinely not happy. It's just, <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you expect a thing, and if it doesn't show up, you get upset. But anyway, yeah. this movie does have a legitimate sense of humor about itself that does appear from time to time, and I actually did appreciate this because, after the utter insanity of the shooting star press via motorcycle, uh. Ford actually approaches uh, Adam Scott's FBI agent uh, cohort, uh, and she's laying injured in the corner, like in the garage. And uh, he comes up holding a piece of metal, and he gets up in her face, and he says, this is Henry Sprocket. We can use it to pin Junior's murder on him. And she actually interrupts him and says, I know, your your friends just told me. Can we do this later? Mm. And I was like, wow, this guy gets it. Like, like, like this guy understands that nobody cares. Nobody, nobody watching this film gives two fucks about that. And I was like, thank you. Like, that's that's so good. Um, and then uh, I did love that uh, Ice Cube's uh, buddy. He shows up in an SUV, and first thing out of his mouth is, "Woo! All these dead white folks around yeah, here." That was pretty funny. I got Like I said, he does have all the good lines. I would put put money on that was ad libbed. <laughs> Oh, I hope so. Either way, it's fantastic, especially when we're like in the last few seconds of the movie. Um, But yeah, we we hug it out with Ice Cube, but not really because I don't think Ice Cube is much of a hugger. No, Um, he doesn't seem like a hugger. No, Um, we we do the the manly handshake thing. We squash we squash the beef, if you will. And uh, Ice Cube sends him on his way. He sends Ford on his way and says, "Keep your ass out of Inglewood." It's like. I think I think he means it for it. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think he's joking. Um and uh Ford apologizes to Shane for blowing up her fucking shop. Again, very similar to Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark with uh, Marion. And uh last words on on screen are just uh let's ride from Ford because I guess sh- uh, Shane and the gang want to go down to Mexico. Uh and then we cut to a like a chopper shot, like a helicopter shot that is. Uh showing all of our heroes right down the highway into the sunset and then kyle our final musical cue for the film you had to go back and explain helicopter shot <laughs> nobody listening to this didn't know that when you said copter shot you meant helicopter <laughs> i said chopper as chopper. in potentially another motorcycle <laughs> uh, in, in this movie alone would i need to be careful about that that use of terminology. i must have misheard you i thought you said copter shot like yeah, they, no, if I said copter, I'd, like, no, I, I'm not that fucking stupid. Come on, like, I think they got it. Uh, I mean, I am I am prone to using multiple words that have the same meaning in long strings, but that that's pushing it, man. Uh, it's a chopper, or that reminds me of my cousin Vinny. Identical. 
the same. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> folks at folks at home listening, this is this movie came out in two thousand four. We've had Jane's Addiction, Kid Rock, and Static X. Could you guess for a happy ending? What band from this era could possibly do the final song of this of this movie? Um, go ahead and think about it. I'll give you a few seconds. And you're correct. It is Nickelback. It is 100% Nickelback. That is the last song of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did that song for Spider-Man like two years before this, I think, right? So they did do a separate song. He did it with the dude from Saliva. Whoa. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh. That is a bad band. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So they didn't do this. I don't think they did this song for this movie. This song was just no. around. Um, Absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that they they have the reputation that they have because my god, they're awful. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have I don't really have any connection to Nickelback. I think I I think I maybe listened to the Spider Man song once or twice, but you, you that's did. a yeah. yeah. We all did. Yeah. I mean, it, it helps when it's attached to fucking Spider Man. Yeah. Like, kind of a big deal when you're like what 10 yeah i was like 10 yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah beyond that i i'm not one of those people that actively shits on nickelback yeah it's fine they just they, i just don't care well it's like they're, it's like they're just not on my radar it's like shitting on jared leto it's like low-hanging fruit it's like what are we really accomplishing here I've been having so much fun listening to all the reviews pour in for uh, Morbius. Um, That's a film that had bad reviews before anybody saw it. No, every single person that was like anticipating, like this movie's gonna suck. I know it's gonna suck, and everybody that came out of it's like, yeah, it sucked. No, <laughs> it, it's never a good thing when when the comic book people, when when the the people who have advanced notice about what the thing's about, like when they all look at each other and say, why? Yeah, well, <laughs> why? Yeah. No, like that was my reaction. I was just like, Morbius. Who gives a who gives a shit about Morbius? <laughs> who gives a shit about Morbius? Who the fuck is this? Uh, but yeah, I think that there, I look for a stinger scene. I was like, there's got to be a stinger scene. There's no stinger scene. I'm not surprised. I I didn't wait for one. Uh, I will point out real quick. I, I didn't. I don't know what he looks like, but uh, in just looking over like production notes about the movie. Um, Apparently, there's a, a cameo from a fellow by the name of Scott Waugh, uh, W-A-U-G-H. Uh, not a household name, not one that even I recognize, but I had a lot of fun opening up his uh, filmography here because apparently uh, he, <laughs> I did name drop this movie earlier, I didn't know this prior to clicking on this link just now, but apparently he directed the Need for Speed movie, mm. uh, that, that often forgotten video game adaptation. Um and uh, beyond that, I don't really notice any others that are worth noting. Apparently, he did that Active Valor movie that I, I was always a curious production. I was never sure what that was supposed to be other than uh, a recruitment tool. <laughs> um, but I will point out that uh, apparently I'm going to have to give a shit about this guy because he is the director of The Expendables 4. Um, There's four? Is, uh, it's Jesus. currently in production. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, I know it's been shot. I don't know when it's supposed to come out, but... Uh, that's a franchise that I do give a couple of fucks about. Um, and that one has Iko Uwais in it, uh, the star of the Raid films. Uh, he, he, actually, he's been on the show before, Kyle, Man of Tai Chi. We talked about him at least once. Um, so, yeah, I have a reason to be invested in Scott Waugh. Uh, not yet, though. <laughs> I've never seen Man of Tai Chi. 
Yes, you have. We did an episode on it, sir. It was catching up on Keanu month. Look it up. Well, it's the one with the purple. It's the one with the purple font. Yeah, I don't know about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's that's how you know we've been doing this a while. Yeah. Uh, when when the hosts start forgetting what they've done. <laughs> One of these days, Kyle, we're gonna we're actually gonna complete a full review. Like we're gonna do a whole recording, only to realize, oh, we've already no, done it. We've done, yeah, we've done this before. I think, uh, fortunate for fortunately for me, uh, I think this was one where I had to sit out. So I'm not saying that you didn't re- do an episode on it, but I, that might have been one I had to sit out on because I do okay. not. Ma- remember. Maybe it was a mad episode. Then I'm not positive. I do not remember watching that. Okay, well, folks at home, it's part of catching up on Keanu month. That was a fun month. I especially love that we got a chance to talk about John Wick 3. Um, John Wick 4, uh, crossing my fingers that it comes out soon, because I know it got pushed way the fuck back, um, but that's that's on... That's probably basically the top of my list as far as most anticipated go. Um, But yeah, uh, this has been our talk about Torque, as directed by Joseph Kahn from 2004, um, holy shit, man! I I I could totally see myself rewatching this again. Although I I would need to do so. I'd need to introduce this movie to somebody. Like I, this has this has to be an audience participation film because the the sheer absurdity of it uh, is is worth sharing with others. I think um, I I got some enjoyment out of this one, both legitimate and ironic. So uh, a fun pick for me in particular. Kyle's shaking his head like nobody's business. So. I can't say the feeling is mutual, but we got through it. We had some fun times. You got to talk music. I always appreciate hearing about that. So altogether, a good time. But uh, folks at home, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that located on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You can also find us on the social medias, on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Google it. That being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.